Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour nothing of the NRL tour. And we are back after round one of the NRL season and Boxhead, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great. Awesome to have some footy back and uh, a lot of close games, a lot of exciting games, a few upsets, as it always uh, turns out round one. Yep, 100% agree. We think we know it all, don't we? But we don't. Well, the tips, as always, try to give expert tips, apparently, as do a lot of people. Uh, this week, I got four from eight, so I started off three in a row, and I thought I was doing pretty good, mm-hmm. and I only got one of the last five. I uh, looked at the tips today. You got five. The Titans, getting home at the end there, got you over the 50-50 mark, yeah. and Gossip was also on four. But most people, when I looked today, or uh, you know, in the papers, etc., got three, so it was a pretty hard round to tip, that's for sure. Yeah, I'll take that. If you res- oh, mate, if you get over 50% in the first few that. rounds, you're doing pretty good. So not a bad start off there. But the show, as it has done for the last few years, now we're back into our weekly format. We'll have our set of six, where there's six thoughts, questions, topics, or things that we just want to talk about. Yeah. Then we give our power rankings, one to eight. They're completely our opinion, as we've said before, people that get cranky. Give yourself a triple. It's none of your business. Uh, doesn't mess. doesn't necessarily mean that after round one, we have to put a team in that we predicted to come last. If they've won a game, it's genuinely the teams in ranking. Who did you have tip to come last? The Tigers, and they had a win. A lot of people tip. A lot of people tip the Warriors. And a lot of people bag me out for tipping Manly. Well, oh, they lost by one point. I know that. But, come but, on. but uh, the power rankings, completely everyone's opinion, same as everyone out there. We do the top eight. We don't do the top sixteen, and then usually we do our game reviews, and then all your questions out there. I have to bring it up again. We have 7 billion questions, and we love your fan questions, but can we please refrain from having four paragraphs for one person? <laughs> it takes up uh, a hell of a lot of time, and we like to get through them because I think I looked today, we had about 70 across Twitter and yeah. Facebook. And I know people love it, but when we would get repeat questions or we get giant ones that take ages to read out, I think a lot of other people get frustrated as well, and it's hard for us to kind of siphon through them sometimes. So please look before you post. If there's something similar to what you have, uh, don't post or post something else and try to abbreviate things as much as possible because mm-hmm. we love everybody out there but when things are starting to stretch out and uh, we're getting repeats it's kind of hard to siphon through them when you've got a full-time job as well and get ready for the show but kicking things off mate set of six so the number one thing I have here and a big one coming from Friday night the Broncos uh, the halves the spine options the question I've kind of got was Hunt undervalued and also the backup option of Benji Marshall because obviously they bring in Jack Bird, who I've said before, in my opinion, he's not, number one, he's not ready to play. Number two, I don't believe he's a genuine half. And even if he is, he's a six. And they've got two of those playing in their halves right now. So they've left themselves, in my opinion, with no genuine number seven to guide them around. They've got two running six, sixes, a lack of direction and a lack of kicking game. Have they undervalued 
Benji Marshall as a backup and Ben Hunt in general as they've, a seven. They've undervalued the position, no doubt about that, because the value of a seven was proved on Thursday night because they were, you know, they across the park they weren't very good, but gee, Ben Hunt added a lot to the uh, to the Dragons and his combination with Gareth Widdop when you're talking about a halves pairing and then you look across the field and you have a look at what Wid- uh, sorry, what uh, Milford and Nicarima dished up and it was fairly underwhelming and it's the main reason why I've left them out of my eight, the Broncos. Now, we're one game in and they may well make the eight, but based on what I saw the other night, I don't have a lot of confidence moving forward in that combination. To me also, they've probably picked the wrong half. They paid... They decided to choose Anthony Milford and pay Anthony Milford. For me, the game is rich with running sixes, running halves. Yeah. The game isn't rich with genuine sevens, genuine sevens which is what directly. Hunt is. And it's it's why I'm so keen on the Dragons this year. I just think his addition is going to free up Gareth Widdop. Um, I like the Dragons fullback. What's his name? Um, Dufty. Matt Dufty. Dufty. Yeah, yep. on the tip of my tongue. And I like McInnes, and I, you know, I like their forward pack. So well, the, the beautiful part for them, and not getting too much on their side of things, they've always had probably close to one of the best sixes in the comp, and a very classy player in Gareth Widdop. Now they've got you know a guy who was a whisker away from being the New South Wales nine, who's developing his game. He's not just a defensive player anymore. He's good at work in the ruck. He ran a little bit more the other night. He brings that threat as well as a good pack. And then you've got Dufty who. Size is a bit of an issue. He looks like he's put a bit of weight on, but now they've got halves both sides of the field. It frees him up a little bit more. He's going to get more space. He's going to get more time. He's going to be able to play a lot more direct because it's no longer going to be just Widdock parked on the left who accounted for 80% of their points last season. There you go. They now have threats both sides of the ruck. They've got a man on the middle who can manipulate, and it's only a matter of time before the 9-1 and one get better because they have two decent halves. And also, options. Brisbane really cocked up having the arrogance to think that they were going to get Ash Taylor. Yeah, well, I was about to say in the end, they've let him go to the Titans, who's ended up staying now that Brennan is there, and they've kind of undervalued Hunt. And would I be fair in saying, I think I said this the last few years, I always kind of felt that Hunt was restricted playing there as well. I felt that he was told, you do this, you do this simply, and then last year when they put him at nine... Which I don't mind that, because it unlocks unlocks Milford. Yeah, but to me... he got Boyd there and McCulloch, obviously, so he, he had a... Probably a more a tighter role there at Brisbane because of the guys around him, which I understand. But it looks like he's got more of a free reign at the uh, at the Dragons, that's for sure. Well, they've got Todd Murphy, who's played some cup football. I haven't seen a whole lot of him to say that he's going to be a seven solution. Uh, Sam Scarlett, he's been at Penrith, played some 20s. I think he's a bit too small and he's more of a six. The only real option, they got Dargan, young Troy Dargan from uh, the Parramatta Eels, who was the junior kangaroos half. But he's coming off an injury. He's going to miss the first few games. And again, at 20 years old, it's a massive ask to come into a side like that and guide them around. Yeah. And I also think he's underappreciated the middle position because the pack he's got, as talented as Lodge is, him, Offerhand, Gary, Tavita, Pangai, you've got three young guys here you are asking to dominate for 24 rounds this season. Yeah. So I think middles have been neglected, and I also think that the number seven position has been disrespected in the sense that he's got two running sixes with a lack of kicking and lack of direction. I'd agree with that. Yep. Point number two. We go on to spines again. The shark spine, the makeup of it. Obviously, they've got three world-class fullbacks in many people's opinions. They're lucky enough to be able to pick up the man in Trent Hodgkinson on a cheaper deal with some of his salary cap being taken uh, up by Newcastle just to get him off their books. But after round one, after watching Valentine Holmes last year, everyone keeps saying the same thing. The best part of his games is carry. He's good on the wing. He's great at carrying the ball back. But at fullback, I just don't think he's got enough of a ball-playing ability. Do they have time to wait for him to develop? 
not why you're paying $800,000 for two other different guys to be in the side who I think are better than him at playing fullback holistically. Mm. The question for me is not so much does he go back to the wing because I think, for me, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. The question is, is Moylan the one that you put at the back because you don't trust him in the front line defensively, which would then mean that Dugan stays in the centres and that Trent Hodkinson comes into pair with Chad Townsend, or do you persist with Matt Moylan in the front line, move Dugan, to the back? No, well, Dugan, Dugan moved from the Dragons to Cronulla to play centre. So to me, it'd be, it'd be ridiculous for them to now say, well, you know, you're going to play fullback. Matt Moylan, for me, is a clear fullback. He's not a 5'8". Well, we said last year. It's I, easy you know, to I, say, I, I oh, he plays like a 5'8", and we've said a million he times, he can't but, tackle. But he doesn't play like a 5'8". Because he, he he doesn't get his hip square. He doesn't have that ability to move a defender. No, he he doesn't have the ability to play into space. That's right. He's a he's a corner post to corner post player. Yeah. He catches and plays to the corner post, yeah. which is fine if you're a fullback. That's the fullback line. Yeah, you play the sweep. You get the space. You sum up and you've numbers. Got, exactly. Short pass, long pass. That That's the decision he's got to make, you know, as a fullback or run, which for me simplifies it for... And he does Matt it very Moreland. well. We'll he does do it well. Absolutely. But also that's in the front line, and I've been banging on it for the last couple Can't of years. Tackle. He can't defend. And everyone's yeah. been going, oh, well, yeah, I haven't seen it until he's got in there. And then you take away from the attacking game. And he got spotted up on Friday night. They went after him. I was him. about to say, if you uh, go back and watch that game and watch where the Cowboys were running plays. Yeah. And it was straight at Matt Moylan. And I'll also go another direction with this. And I argue with everyone again. And I admit it last year. James Maloney also missed the most tackles in the competition. He gave away a lot of penalties. You know the difference? Genuine kicking game as a half. Great kicking game. Great support player, pushes on everything, ability to run and hit holes as well as a support player, and a yep. genuine ball-playing threat. All the things that kind of tick the boxes of being a frontline half. You'll take the missed tackles and the penalties here and there with him being in your side because yep. he adds so much. Matt Moylan in the front line as a six doesn't tick all those boxes. He doesn't have a great kicking game. He doesn't have all those kind of points I just put on. Can he run the football in broken space or have a quick play the ball? Yes. Is he good at digging in? Dictating things like you said, playing the space, putting people in holes? No. He's generally better playing when a six and a seven create the space off a move to generate a position for him to sweep around the back, pick at numbers, and decide whether he's going to run or pass. So frontline defense and that workload alone, he got spotted up last night. And we all know too, and you know it yourself as a coach, if you can spot someone up, constantly there's going to have to be someone else coming in to help. If you catch a man dead marine in the ruck where you get someone extra dragged in, defenses generally seem to compress, and then you've got a team shot you can move the ball on. Yeah, And it's generally a matter of time then as long as you don't panic that you can get him on the outside or you can turn someone back under the middle and you can find somebody up. Yeah, so, agreed. I don't know whether they're going to persist or not, but for me, I think Mylan has to go to the back. There's no brainer now that Katawa's broken his jaw, the poor kid, the debutante, that Holmes goes to that wing and Dugan stays in the centres. Yeah. But it is a very nice option to have Hodkinson there as depth. So we'll see what they do. I think Shane Flanagan's going to be a stubborn bastard about it, but I don't, I don't think it's rocket science. Holmes, to me, goes to the wing. I'm with you. Point three, and I should have had this at point one, but just generally, we mentioned at the start, having the football back, and I think we had a great weekend all around. We had two cracker comebacks for two teams. You obviously had the Panthers and your mob, the Gold Coast Titans, who you weren't happy with after 10 minutes, obviously. We had a golden point game, first game up. uh, Sorry, second game up. How good is that to have that? We had a couple of upsets, the Tigers upsetting the apple cart there. Newcastle, I know that was kind of a picking game, but you consider that a little bit of an upset on its merits. The Warriors were written off before round one. They put in a great performance. And the thing for me as well, and I'm sure you'll be happy about this, a lot more teams seem to be turning back towards, as we say, trend changing, to trying to attack. A lot of teams now looking like that attacking football is starting to cycle back in. So I I really just want to bring up first and foremost that I'm really excited now after watching round one and looking at what some of the teams are trying to do with what we're hopefully going to have in 2018. Yeah, the, the 
style of play seemed to be more open, definitely, but the conditions were also conducive to it as well. I, I mean, in the warmer weather, it's going to be conducive to it. I expect teams to sort of tighten up and play more conservative as the winter months come in. You look at a team like the Roosters, they, they certainly weren't... Uh, weren't all that expansive. Neither, neither were the Tigers, to be fair. That was sort of a game that wasn't overly expansive. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, I, I agree with you. I think the style of footy was enjoyable. I, there wasn't many games that I thought were, were a bore. I think the, the Roosters-Tigers game was probably a struggle to watch uh, just because they both really didn't execute. It was a bit no. of a sloppy game. But um, at the end of it, it was obviously exciting because of how close the result was, um, so on and so forth. But, yeah, for the, for the majority of the games, they were – Bloody exciting to watch, which was a nice change because, to be honest, last year I think four, probably four of the eight games every round was just a write-off. Like it was almost yeah. unwatchable. There were some games you just looked at and thought, "Yeah, well, we know it's going to happen here." You know, and the sides that traditionally, or you know, from what we got used to last year, that were playing that close sort of style, the Bulldogs probably been the one for me. They were very, very open on the weekend, and we mentioned that last week. I expected their style to change, but. Bloody hell, they're exciting to watch. And I liked the form that they showed in that game. I think it was 24-12, um, and they were attacking Melbourne's line. It could have easily been 24-18, and uh, Melbourne scored. But, you know, I like their form, the Dogs. Yep. Uh, point four I've got here, and this one will answer a lot of people's questions uh, in the fan questions. I've seen it being a common theme in there on Twitter and on Facebook. The New Zealand Warriors, yep. obviously very impressive on the weekend, but people questioning, is that spine going to keep delivering for the whole year or is it just look good on paper and just generally are they the real deal it's hard to get these things the round one but this is what people do well, obviously you, you've got to go like last week we were going off paper okay and off prior experience and from paper they look great prior experience round one particularly round one they've got a horrendous record in round one yep. and to start seasons they were they were very very good. They looked fit. They looked fast. They looked fairly disciplined. They looked calm and composed. A lot of things that we often don't associate with the Warriors. So for mine, I think they are the real deal. I can only judge them based on what they churned out on the weekend. Yeah. I think South are going to be, if not in the eight, they'll be around the eight. I, I had them in my eight. So you know, and I did. I think South were great. No, but did I think South were terrible? No, I, I don't. I don't mind that form. No, I think from the South. I think they've played probably, you know, aside from Melbourne, probably the form side in the competition at around one was the Warriors. They were, they were great. Well, I'm happy to say, and again, we predicted this. We said oh, we would. I don't care. We, no. we both said we're leaving them out because they always out burn us. Because they burn us. But the number one thing that was highlighted was Blake Green. And a lot of people question us on our opinions. You know, he's not that special. If you well, understand. He is. Look at what the Seagulls did and then look at what the no, Warriors but did. If you understand football, again, you're looking at the wrong things. Oh, the flashy stuff, the kicks, the sides, this, that, and all the bullshit. It's no. all the underlying things you don't see that Blake Green brings to that team. And it freed up Sean Johnson, who absolutely terrorized South on that right edge, mm. Isaac Luke. Obviously, was very, very good to the middle as well. Blake Green kicked the 40-20, set up a try, just directed around the park. And the other beneficiary for them having two genuine halves options and things nice and settled in good service was Roger Tuivasa-Shek. Yeah. He looked a lot better playing on that sweep line himself with the ball play that he was getting. But the one that's uh, underlying here, and a lot of people have heard about him only in the last couple of days. We've known about him for a long time. We've mentioned him. Alex Corver. All of a sudden, it seems to be some revelation that everyone's jumped on board bringing him up. But he's been around since the Melbourne days. He's the originator when Craig Bellamy first got there. Big part of that system in high performance. A very, very you know classy high performance manager. Uh, he's done a great job at Brisbane also in the past. He's been involved with the Australian camp. 
the Queensland side from memory also, and now obviously they're over the Warriors. So when you talk about a team not being fit enough, not being tough enough, if you wanted to get somebody in who has a hard edge, and Stephen Kearney would know firsthand having been at Melbourne, yeah. they've got the right guy in on that side of the ball. And they no, look bloody fit on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's I, the fittest Isaac Luke has looked since he's been there, and that's the best game I think he's played in the Warriors jersey. That is the best game he's played in the Warriors jersey. I watched. Uh, I took the time today to watch the documentary, the first two episodes of the uh, preseason with the Warriors, and I was super impressed with their attitude, uh, their links with the community, how hard they've trained, their philosophy on defence, uh, the fundamental skills, what they're trying to execute on both sides of the ball. You know, I've got no doubt that Steve Kearney can coach. Maybe um, it's just been difficult to sort of see him having a long career with the form that his sides have demonstrated. You know, when he went to Parramatta, obviously they fell over. He spent some time at Brisbane. He did a really good job with the New Zealand national side. So, yeah. you know, I think he can definitely coach. It's probably just maybe trying not to be so complex in, in what he's trying to do. And it looks like... I think you know, they, they, were be... doing, they were doing conditioning drills into like a play-the-ball drill, mm. which is just smart, you know, like under fatigue. That's why you make those really simple errors, you know. And, you, yeah. know, you know, that we, we do a lot of that, you know, in our coaching as well because, you know, it's it's often not... It's not the sweet play or the block play or the big it's your play that you get wrong. It's, you know, playing the, playing the ball or your catch or yeah. your pass or, you know, your tackle technique. And yeah. that's where, you know, all that sort of and your momentum in the game and your errors, they all come from those areas of the game. If you can't do the fundamentals, you don't get to move on. Simple. Rugby league is a progression game. If you can't so, do the yeah. basic things right, you shouldn't be trying to do complex things first. You've for got me, to break the, things down yeah. first before you progress on to complicated setups. The first, so. the first two things you need to get right are your conditioning and your fundamental skills. And it looks like the Warriors have just put a lot of energy into that, which is smart. Yep. Uh, my fifth point here, and one that a lot of people have asked about again, the Immortals concept. Now, look, I haven't been alive for a hell of a long time. You're obviously only a couple of years older than me. Can I reflect back on some of these old names that people bring up? No, because mm. I've seen absolutely zero footage of it. But for me, I just want to go over it this simply. People keep saying, Norm Proven, Lockyer, you can't go back this far, you can't go back that far. We've got it wrong from the start. And obviously, it hasn't really been that well managed because it was something that, I think it was rugby league week or it was a big league started off. And now it's been no, taken it over. A, well, it was, I, I think, I think they said 360 it was, was something to, to advertise a port. Port, but I think it was from rugby league week or it big was league. Definitely and the concept's now been bought. I reckon it's this simple, right? People are saying, nah, we can't go back. I think you do need to go back if there's genuinely someone post-World War II, if that's where they started from, and make sure, first of all, before we start just culling people, that we go through. And if there is Norm Proven and somebody else in that point but in time... But why is it post-World War II? That was right, something well, that Rugby League... Rugby that's what they week. came up with. Yeah, so but, for me, you've got to go now they're saying to the Dally and Messenger, etc. So yeah, I'm with you. But I don't think it's rocket science. They're going, oh, no, you can't go back. You can't tell me sometime in the last 100 years or decade there wasn't someone before Darren Lockyer, whether it is Norm Proven with the 10 premierships, captain coaching, whether it is Dally Messenger, who's apparently all these myths and stories about him. We've named the, bloody me- the best player in the competition medal after him. Surely mm. there's got to be somebody previously to the guys we're talking about right now, who maybe every four to five years we can pick two from some of those generations getting back to where we are now, and then we eventually get ourselves up to the point where we know. Yeah. I I just don't think it's that rocket science that we're going, okay, we've got Andrew Johns in, nut, we move on now, it's Meninga, Lockyer, we don't go back. Well, what they should do is just go back to the start of the game, if that's what we're going to do. Uh, and then have name an immortal. I think maybe two for every decade. Well, that's what I was going to say. And even if you smart, can't come up with that, have an argument. Like, or two for every twenty years, something. And you go, well, two for every decade at the moment. Then you go, well, Smith, Thurston, Slater, Cronk, 
you know, your lockyard, you've got all these guys that are going to try and fit in. So uh, I think I like the concept. The AFL have the Hall of Fame and then the I think it's a Legends room. So, yeah. look, I think the sooner we streamline it, the NRL has obviously got control of it now. So for me, I'd... I don't really want to get into a debate no, over it because we're not going to have we're not going to have a lot of we control have, over it. No. But for me, it's an ugly concept. It's a messy concept. So you the have sooner to go that back it's to just starts. well, yeah, either that or we you go from now forward. Yeah, one or the other. Yeah, I'm 100 with you on that. And the last point I've got here, and it's another common theme among all listeners. It is round one, but it was a common theme last year. People are worried about the Raiders. Obviously, last year we've said it before. They lost eight or so games by a try or less. Their discipline. Their errors, their lack of mental focus, and round one, they get up 18-0. Joey Leilua drops one over the try line, and they score another before halftime. Could have possibly been 30-6 to before halftime if things went well. And then second half, right at the end there at the death, he just knocks a ball down lazily on a short side that gives them six again, which led to them getting the extra tackles needed to get down and put that ugly grubber kick in where they found that last try and eventually lost that game. Ah, the Raiders mentally weak? Is there something wrong with conditioning? Are they like? Is there something wrong with? Are they going to continually fall over? I think a lot well, of fans and a lot of people on here are obviously asking the question: Is this just we just spoke about culture or is it habit? We just spoke about what's effective and you know what wins your games. Their conditioning to me looks poor and their fundamentals look poor. It's as simple as that. So you get those things right, and the Raiders win that game in a canter. They. They steamrolled through the Titans in that first twenty minutes. There is no excuse to lose from eighteen nil up. Yeah, but you go and look NRL at you team. go and look at what the issues were: penalties, poor tackle technique, just simple turnovers, um, poor edge defense. Still. Yeah, that edge has defense, been knocking balls down. So for me, it's it's yeah, it's respect for the football. Respect for the ball, but still but an also issue. discipline. Still an issue. Second half, they. I think they. What was the possession rate? The possession was rate 80, was like 20 80 for 20 for 25 minutes. Like, doesn't matter how good you are, you're not going to win. Nah, but I still think rate. left and right sides the same problem I saw holding and sliding defensively. Like, you can't do it. And on your trial line, you can't hold either. And they break all those basic principles that I get the shits about last year and even the year before when they made that run in the finals. Obviously, they were so good attacking wise and they seem to overwhelm teams, but it doesn't look like a whole lot's changed as far as the middles and playing that power game. There was still a lack of respect for the football and the edge defense was terrible. Um, I just, yeah, I'm still a bit despondent, but, um, you know, I just couldn't believe they lost that game. So for Raiders fans out there, hopefully they uh, turn some things around, but still the, the simple things and a bit of errors and some discipline have really, really cost them last year, obviously, and hopefully that doesn't continue to trend this year. But that's the set of six, pal. Mm. And, uh, before we jump in, to our power rankings, we have to thank all those sponsors who have come on board. And last week, we went through those with you. We've got Penrith Solar Center, Nepean Boltmaster, Poker Deluxe, and the Pro Sports Syndicate. Support our sponsors like you support us. If you're after any of these kind of services, please feel free to get behind them. And Solar Brock, obviously something that you've chipped into and I work in that industry. And as we said before, the bills aren't getting any cheaper privatisation is a reality and bills are only going up and uh, you found yourself with a credit on a couple of your bills now since you've got solar panels. A credit, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. They're well, about... The bills are about a third of what they were yeah. previously. So you're saving about 66% on what your power bill is. So mine monthly were, I don't know, around 200. Now they're around uh, 60 to 80 a month. Yep. So and yeah, I it's a pretty big saving. Well, I mean, you got to outlay a little bit to start with, but... Over three years, yeah. Well, for a lot of these you schemes, pay for your system, and then you're making money off it. Really. Three to four years, you get it back, and they last a fair while as far as warranty is concerned. So, for us, Penrith Solar Center is one of our sponsors. Get on board with them; 
They say defense is the best offense, so what defense have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Solar Center is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. Whilst you have a little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at Penrith Solar Center is devoted to giving you the control of your power bills back. Let the sun work for you and your home and your back pocket. Save thousands per year in energy costs. It may just be the difference between good to great seats watching your colors in the 2018 grand final. Contact the team at PSC today on 1800 20 2930 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season. Check them out on Facebook and their website, www.penrosola.com.au. The P.M. Boltmaster, as a tradesman, this is one for me, obviously, very, very handy, www.nepbolt.com.au. They are your complete fastening system supplier with their main office being located at Penrith, and they've also got another one out there in Castle Hill, and they have an online store. They boast the largest range of fasteners and associated products, not only in the region, but throughout the state of New South Wales. There is a lot more to Nepean Boltmaster than just fasteners. You'll also find a range of industrial and engineering products, abrasives, hand and cutting tools, lifting and materials and handling products, safety, cleaning products, paints and general hardware, all everything you need there at Nepean Boltmaster. Total needs sourcing packages also supplied for all trades associated with the construction, engineering and industry sectors. Get on board with Nepean Boltmaster and Poker Deluxe. If you're a member of a football club out there and you're looking for a fundraiser, look no further than Poker Deluxe. The footy season is about to start. And if you're a part of a team and you're looking for a fundraising idea, look no further. They've got 10 years experience and they're the industry leaders here. Paul and Adam with Poker Deluxe, they're passionate about what they do and they're committed to raising much needed funds for local sporting clubs. Their fundraisers come with a whopping $1,000 profit guarantee as a minimum. They also provide all the equipment, host to run the night and over $2,000 worth of prizes to be won. It's a no-brainer. If you're on the committee or involved with a local footy club, sports team, etc., have a chat to the boys at Poker Deluxe and see how they can guarantee your club this $1,000 profit. So far, to date, they have raised over $1.5 million for sporting clubs around Australia Boxhead. So that's absolutely outstanding. Make sure you get in contact with them, www.pokerdeluxe.com.au. And our last one, the Pro Sports Syndicate, who now obviously on board with our tipping and betting segment. We'll talk a bit later about how they did in week one and about the offers from them. Absolutely. So there you go. Support our sponsors if you're in need of any of those sorts of services. And now, back to the Power Rankings box head. So this last year obviously got easier as the year went on, but round one, you're still kind of sticking to some of your pre-season predictions. No, I'm and not. I'm going off round think? one. All right, you're going Power off Rankings round. are based on what I've seen. So I'm going based on what I've seen. All righty then. So who do you have at one? I've got Melbourne at one. Yep, I've got Melbourne at one also. I uh, thought defensively could have been a bit better, but again, they've got points now as well as some uh, pretty handy players on the bench. I was quite impressed. Number two? I've got the Warriors. Got the Warriors? Bang. All right, I've got the Cowboys, even though I thought they were a bit scrappy. No Michael Morgan. Uh, you know, you've got Matt Scott just returning a few new players in that setup, and even with Martin in there, they've got great depth in their halves and key positions. So. Mm. I still like the Cowboys. I can't have them too based on what I saw the other night. No. But yeah, Number three. Dragons. Yep, I've also got the Dragons. Thought they were outstanding. Hopefully things continue to grow on their end and that spine has got a lot of potential. Uh, number four. The Cowboys. You got the Cowboys, yeah. the Cowboys at four. Yeah, I thought they were scrappy the other night, but they've got all the ingredients there and they were missing some key players, obviously. Well, that's where I've got the Warriors at four. I thought they were very impressive. Uh, the composure, the way the halves work. Blake Green made a massive difference to settle things and the bench very much impressed me. I questioned the middle forwards. I thought they were pretty good. Harris and these guys came in and chipped in and their wingers and yards are absolutely outstanding as well, which really helps out that forward pack. So yeah. fairly impressed. Number five. 
I've got the Panthers. I uh, I had them out of my eight, uh, and I wasn't overly impressed with what I saw in the first half. But uh, I think that was probably, if not if not the closest and highest quality game of the weekend, uh, it was definitely in the top two yep. in that regard. I thought they were both really really impressive. I had Penrith at five also. First half just absolutely set themselves on fire. They got exposed on their left edge defensively. Parramatta's right attack, uh, simple errors, penalties. And uh, second half, they completely turned it around. They let the shackles go a little bit. I thought Kakao, who should have started, made a massive impact on the game. Nathan Cleary's absolutely outstanding. He pulled them apart, obviously, when Moses went off the field and uh, they closed things out. So uh, I had them in my eight, but have still have questions over some things moving forward. But obviously, things are going to quiet down after a nice win on the weekend. Yeah. Number six. Number six, I had the Eels. I didn't have them far behind Penrith. Uh, again, I, I think that game was of high quality and what I saw out of them first half, I was very impressed with. Second half, they had a man in the sin bin. Uh, they made some errors. They probably ran out of legs, I think. Uh, but even with you know four or five minutes to go, they still had a chance to, to win that game. So I'm not disappointed in what I saw out of the Eels. Obviously, it wasn't an 80-minute uh, performance, but nah, they've got a lot of quality across the park, and I think they'll get better. Moses got himself binned. They dropped a lot of football. Clint Gutherson's still a couple of weeks away. I think there's a few things uh, they'll work out in short time. Yep. Uh, number six, mine's a bit different, and people may disagree, but I have the Sharks. I still think that they've got players in the wrong positions. I thought, why Scrappy? They still found themselves in that game. Um, they always seem to find a way. They were right there at the end until the Cowboys scored again, but I think they've just got to figure out those positions, and Shane Flanagan can't be stubborn as to, oh, we paid him fullback money, he has to play fullback. You've yeah. got other guys you've paid fullback money who aren't playing fullback. So as far as I'm concerned, put them in the positions that best suit the side. Uh, they're always going to be gritty and dirty and tough, and they were that on the weekend. So um, mm-hmm. I, I've got them still. Yeah, I've got them at seven. So moving on to number seven, I've got the Sharks at number seven. Yeah, well, I have the Eels in that flip spot. Same thing to you. First half impressive. The sin binning didn't help, uh, and I still think they've got some improvements and things to work out. So yeah. I'm not going to be taking them out of my eight as I had them close to my top four and your last spot. I've got the Bulldogs. I thought right. they were bloody open with their attack. I thought they really punched with Melbourne for 60 minutes, probably 65 minutes. It was 24-18 when uh, Josh Adokar scored that runaway try. The dogs were going in, chance to draw the game up. I like what I saw out of them. Again, questions over whether the halves can stay fit and healthy. Yep. But I I like what I saw out of the dogs, so I'm going to slot them in at eight. I know there's a few teams that that won that I have below them, but so be it. That's my opinion. Yeah, well, Newcastle, Tigers, Titans, for me, you could all argue there after. Well, Titans are my team. Yeah, exactly. And I've got them them below the dogs. I think if they run into the Bulldogs this weekend, the Bulldogs beat them. Well, mine's purely off the potential moving forward, and I will still make a case for it. I've got the Roosters. I don't care how ugly they lost. They've got some brand-new combinations. Luke Keery still needs to come back into the side. Cooper Cronk's going to find his feet. Friend looked a bit, you know, all over the shop now that he's got him playing there. And I think Tedesco didn't get as much help because his middles didn't do a job and they're mm. going to get a rocket. So, well, and Tedesco uh, dropped a drop. Well, he uh, bombed a try. They play They've gone from one extreme to the other as well. Last year, they were willing to push the pass and offload a bit. They looked super conservative on the weekend. So, yeah. nothing against the Tigers. They're outstanding. But I'm not taking the Roosters out because the quality of that roster, they're going to be in the eight. Yeah. And I'm going to stick by that. So, um, unlucky you do, like I said, Titans. Newcastle Tigers, like you said, dogs were good as well, but that's uh, what we've got for our power rankings. So, uh, From the power rankings, before we move into your questions, we'll review the games from the weekend. And obviously the round kicked off with the Dragons against the Broncos, 34-12 in that one. And uh, quite honestly, I thought they warmed into the game nicely. 
Uh, things at the start were a bit scratchy to start off with, but in the second half, I think it was a true reflection of how the game went. Um, the halves, they grew as the game went on. Things were a bit clunky early. I thought they tried to overplay their hand a little bit or force themselves on the game, but once they got back to just dominating in the middle, as they did last year through Vaughan, DeBell and Frizzell, who I thought was outstanding, and Armel off the bench, things just seemed to flow. McInnes probed around the ruck. Dufty was popping up all over the place. Hunt and Widop were helping each other out, linking to the left, linking to the right, and they've both got outstanding options outside of them. I think uh, you know Aitken in particular and Frizzell on that right edge with Ben Hunt is going to be a great combination, as in previous years has been Widop on the left side when he's been playing with Lafay, Thompson, etc. So, um, yeah. Yeah, agree. Um, look, I thought the game changed when Ben Hunt took that intercept. I think the Brisbane was sort of warming into the contest. It was close then, and then uh, obviously he made that intercept. But to me, the Dragons looked clearly better. Their execution wasn't great, but I think in the key positions and through the middle of the field, they dominated that game. Brisbane, there's some definitely some worrying signs. Well, worrying signs in the fact that I don't think they could generate a lot of momentum. And even when, when they did, they didn't have the polish on the end of it to capitalise. I think Darius Boyd, his effect is minimised with the fact that he, you know, the halves aren't giving them a lot in terms of offensive output. So it's going to be difficult for Brisbane to generate points, in my opinion. So I think if you're going to play Brisbane, particularly in the early rounds, I think you know, if you can tie them up and you can defend well... I'm pretty confident you can you can beat them just yeah. through frustrating them because I, I just don't know where their points are coming from at the moment. Now, Wayne Bennett is a master, you know, of, of a coach, and whether you think he's as good as he used to be or whatever, that's a different argument. But he's certainly in the top tier of coaches in the competition, so I'm sure he's going to be all over it and trying to fix that offensive output this week. But yeah, you know, I just don't know how he's going to do it because I, I don't know where the points are coming from. I don't know whether you agree or not. Look. I agree. For me, the one the one that he also got horrendously wrong was starting Sam Thiday at hooker. I, if McCullough's good I just to don't go, get it. you've well, got to play McCullough. Well, you're either one or the other. Yeah. Either he's good to go or, or he's not. not. To me, it just – I don't know. They, they just never never got into any rhythm. And the last thing you want is Sam Thiday passing your ball out of dummy half, particularly at the start of a game. So there are a few real strange elements to the Brisbane performance the other night. I'm going to push the wait and see button on the Dragons. I've, I had them in my eight. I think they'll push for top four. Yep. But I'm just not sure on the quality of Brisbane. So this week, the Dragons, I think they travel away to, Tough the, game to the Sharks. against the Sharks. Derby. And they always get stuck into each other. So yeah. genuine test. Uh, I think I think you'll get you'll see where the Dragons are truly at this week. Uh, I like what Paul McGregor had to say on 360 last night. I think he's really developing as a coach as well. I, I really like what he had to say. There was a lot of intelligence and a lot of purpose behind what he had to say. So I, I'm excited about the what the Dragons got to offer. Yep. I love their front row, um, and I love their key position. So I think that's going to take them a long way. Yep, they didn't give a whole lot of minutes to some of their benches. Leilua played under 20 minutes, which allows him to go play New South Wales Cup. I think Lattimore kind of had a short stint as well. They obviously spent a lot more time playing. Uh, Lee and Armour now off the top of my head, I can't remember. who they are. Kurt Mann got minimal minutes as well. So he used his interchanges, and I have no problem with this, relying on Paul Vaughan, James Graham, Armour, Sims, etc., to play bigger minutes. He yeah. rotated those guys in for one another, and he didn't rely on his bench so heavily. So, um, well, outside the Cowboys, like name me a better middle three than Vaughn, Graham, and um, DeBellin. Well, the other they're, thing as well, they're excellent. He doesn't need to take McInnes off, so he can leave him there. He doesn't need to burn two changes for that. So mm-hmm. that leaves him with the extra changes to keep rotating right. those forwards and give them quality stints if he wants Frizzell, etc., only play sixty minutes. So, mm-hmm. um, it's a bit of a different way to look at your interchange, but 
Yeah, but that's you know, what I mean. With the interchanges are horse for, horses for courses. The interchange plan yeah. can't be the same. It depends on what no, team you coach. it depends coaching. what team you've got. But yeah. I like the look of a lot of it. The only thing I've got a question on still is the left edge defense. And I think a lot of people have got a problem with Lafayette and Nene McDonald playing together. It's a bit rocks and diamonds, and I have an issue with just the lack of control with Lafayette. I think he's a quality player, but he throws too many stupid passes sometimes. We just needs to die with the football. Yeah. So. Um, other than that, great to see Aiken back. All those forwards are great. Graham was inspirational for his new teammates. Good to see him fresh and fired up, and hopefully he can keep driving things. And um, from talking to Vaughn in the offseason, they absolutely love him. They yeah. think he's insane. I think I told you that story he was talking about where they were doing their preseason drills, and if they kick it dead for a seven-tackle set when the rest of them all stop because the play stopped, he's automatically taken off back on the 30, ready to defend. He's just that switched on. So he's been great, apparently, for all those young guys in the group, and they just all love him. So... Uh, Brisbane on with you halves were awful all pre-line lack of direction very easy to read the kicking game in particular for me you don't have a genuine number 7 there was way too many 7 tackle sets he's relying on young middles and Lodge as we know we're not going to get into that side of things everyone's talked about way too much and beaten that drum but honestly thought his first game wasn't that bad as far as his carries getting down etc but it's a big ask for him Pungai Jr Joe Offerhengiawi and I know they brought in Tagatizi and you got Fide etc there but they're not a big side yeah. They're really not a big side. So um, there's going to be a big challenge this year on those young middles to dominate. And honestly, the only time they kind of look uh, dangerous is when they shift early and try and push some offloads and get James Roberts and these guys involved. But again, if you can kill their middle, there's no quick play the balls to get to the edge and you put yourself under pressure. So uh, Brisbane are one of those teams. I put them the, right at the bottom of eight just because they are the Broncos. I know that sounds stupid, but they've just... Wayne Bennett, Broncos, those kind of teams are synonymous with finals. I think there may be a way they can find to get in the bottom, but it's very hard if it was anybody else coaching it to me with those middles and those guys playing the halves. But push the button, wait and see what happens moving forward. And on to the next game, which was the Manly Sea Eagles versus the Newcastle Knights and a cracking 1918 win in front of a massive home crowd there for Newcastle. Very fitting way, I think, to start the season after a couple of years of heartache boxhead. Absolutely. But uh, I didn't take... Well, I took a lot out of Newcastle's performance, but I probably took more out of Manly's performance. They were exceptional. The amount of possession that they defended on their line was unbelievable. So, you know, I had them last, and I've still got massive concerns over the 5-8 position. And, again, like we've just spoken about with Brisbane, their ability to score points, I've got concerns over that. But their effort was oh, magnificent. Marty, like, Marty Tapia. Unbelievable. Marty Tapia was ridiculous. And I tell you who was good, but he let it down with poor discipline. Was Adam Fanua Blake? He had yeah. some good carries, but he kept getting caught up in the ruck. And one near the end was just critical. You can't walk over the ruck, and he tackled a bloke, yeah, and he tried yeah. to come over the top, and then he yeah. winched the ref. I'm like, just it's seventeen errors to six, mm-hmm. like that area, and just the penalty count. And Tally Chairman's wins, and I know a lot of Manly fans out there probably agree. You think you're hard done by, but you weren't. The penalty count was fair. Yeah, penalty and there was count. just some really simple shit in the ruck. It didn't yeah. need to happen. I'm not arguing that. It I'm just, I'm just arguing the fact that, like, to be within one point, oh. the amount of ill-discipline errors, yeah. and et cetera, et cetera, was a massive effort. I now, will... Newcastle were good, but I think Newcastle are going to get better as the year goes on. Their combinations well, were they had nine fluent. And Connor Watson's not the six. No. Brock Lamb's got to start at How six. How many times have I said that Lamb, yeah. I couldn't believe that Lamb wasn't there, and I've said it last it's year that I thought he was their best player. If And I've said it again, I'll stick by this one as well. If... Melbourne and the Broncos are sniffing around Lamb, and even Manly tried to get a sniff of him. Alarm bells should be ringing. It's very obvious that Watson just is purely a runner, an eyes-up guy. He's an instinctive player. His best spot would have been going to the Tigers if he wanted to play one of those roles or play fullback, which I think is his other spot if he's a starter. But out of nine, 
so instinctive, so fast, eyes up. He threatened him as soon as he moved in there, and his service is good too. Mm. And Griffin does an outstanding starting job for him in everything he wants. He wants good defense, good line speed and tempo, control around the ruck, and he jagged a nice little try there. I know some people are unhappy with Denny Levi not being on the side, but out of those two other options, I'd honestly probably have him on the outer or if not in similar role to Watson. But he doesn't offer the versatility Watson does. Because Watson can slot into the halves. Watson does play nine. Watson at a pinch could play center, could play 13, and he can play fullback. He proved out the Roosters. So unfortunately, Levi is on the outer. And the big reason for that for me is defense. And I think he's purely a runner. And I think he just likes what Griffin brings, toughness, minutes, and his service. So um, not everyone obviously agrees with that. But I thought he was very, very good in his first game. I think the pack is a lot more steady now. Obviously, there's a few veterans there. And in years to come, I think that's the area they obviously need to get some players in at. Safidi's good, but Lilliman, Heinington, these guys aren't going to serve you long term. SASA is going to be there. He was good with the it? two Safidis, and he was good. But I still think that's one area when you're talking about free agency or recruitment this year, they need to focus on. They need to get in another good middle to join Safidi and SASA. Outside backs were fairly solid as always. I think they looked a million times better, better once Lamb came into the game. Pierce solid on debut. Iced the game very fitting after a tumultuous offseason for him and. Callum Ponga, after one game, I know everyone's jumping up and ground and saying he's worth every cent. I'm not going to say that just yet because you want to see him play for the whole year, but he was pretty bloody classy. And more impressive than the try and the goal kicking and the tackle breaks was the two try saves. In particular, one on to four where he just charged at him and put his body on the line. And they don't come up on the stat sheet. No. I just thought Newcastle's attack was very predictable. Whatever side that Ponga and Pierce were on, yeah. the ball was going. I didn't think the side, I think it was the right side that Watson was on, wasn't fluent. So for me, they... You know, on video, they're going to become quite easy to defend if they don't, uh, I guess, have the ability to attack you on both sides of the field and also have the ability to attack you without the ball being in Mitchell Pierce's hands. So yep. that's something probably to watch. That's why Lamb has to come in. Because when Lamb came exactly. on the field and they're inside 20, he did the things that Connor Watson can't do. He's got a good kicking game. He forced a couple of dropouts. He dug in the line and forced some shape. Watson seemed, as you said, under pressure every time because they just gravitated towards Pierce. He doesn't play on the ball as a first receiver ever, and every time he got it, his first option was just to run. His eyes were straight downfield. He didn't look outside him at all. So I just think it makes them dangerous left and right, obviously, if Lamb's on the field. Mm. And we saw at the back end of last year in a team that never, ever won the middle how good he can be. He can run, he can kick, he can ball play. The best bet for them moving forward, and he tried to kind of dance away from it on the weekend because they've brought Watson in Probably guaranteed in that spot. Maybe the Roosters connections and all that kind of things come into play. But sadly, at this point in time, he's a 14. And he's a great 14. But that's his role. Moving forward for Newcastle to be better. Um, And I think all their other debutants were pretty good as well. I think on the manly side of things, it's just discipline and errors. The two brothers are outstanding, aren't they? Jake and Tom, dead set, moving forward. And I'll give a wrap to Cherry Evans. Uh, I worry a little bit the fact that Jake Chaboyevich is going to demanded on to be the ball player, similar to a James Graham, because they have that lack of an extra halves partner. Yeah. And Trebojevic doesn't have a great passing game. So for me, I've just, they're the concerns I've got. I've just got some concerns over their offensive combinations, but their effort was great and they've got yeah. quality there. Tom around the football non-stop, made a couple of errors, but that's because he's just so involved as well. Cherry Evans picked up the workload to try and help out Kroger, who I thought was solid. Uh, he was under pressure a few times and some passes were forced and he made a couple of errors, but... The weird thing for me, along with Tapiao and that band absolutely outstanding, they got great bench service out of Tanganoa, who was outstanding, and Sean Lane, but he didn't use his other two benches. Frank Winnerstein and Lewis Brown didn't get on the field. Yeah. So he's used 15 players, which has basically signaled that he's probably not so happy with his depth at the moment, and those two changes have already happened this week. Frank Winnerstein's gone from being 
one of their better players at the back and end of last year and playing very well to all of a sudden can't even get a minute. Mm. So I'm confused. You re-sign him for a couple of years and keep him in your side. Now he can't even get a, uh, you know, a stint off the bench. Lewis Brown, I can kind of understand. He's slowly been on the decline over there. But Lloyd Parrott and Jackson Hastings, who apparently had a good game last week, now moving to the bench. So, but where are they going to play? Does that Jackson say Hastings? he's not confident in Croker and he may be pulled out late? Does that say that they don't trust Winnerstein that to play in the centre and that Parrott gets some minutes in there? Like, uh, if you're going to try and play very slim for the whole year, it's not going to work. You're going to run out of gas. Someone's going to get injured like they already have in Darcy Lussick. Um, it just shows a bit of a lack of depth and a little bit of lack of trust, I think, for Trent Barrett. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I if thought, he can't have confidence. Uh, confidence in those players and how can we yeah Tapio though exceptional I think he had like eight offloads or six offloads or something ridiculous all the carries were very very good and Tanganoa um, after a few flat years after coming into Parramatta as a big name and someone who's going to be a great player he looks like he's come full circle finally he had an outstanding impact off the bench so. yeah he did um, there were some positives there for Manly and we'll see how they go moving forward but Newcastle the big thing for me to take away and we've said it is Liam Liam's got to be in the halves to balance that side out yeah Cowboys and the Sharkies, 20-14 to 14 in Thurston's 300th. Uh, honestly, pretty ugly game. Michael Morgan out, Lewis out. There was a couple of late changes there, and they got it done ugly, but 15 errors from both sides. It wasn't really an impressive game. I was pretty disappointed, to be honest, of this one. Uh, I think the Sharks, again, like last year, errors in discipline. They gave away some silly penalties. They didn't respect the football, especially coming out of yardage. They forced it. They tried to force some short sides that weren't on as well, and the ball hit the ground. Um, and just every time they seem like they were starting to get some field position or territory, as they do, a dumb play happens, a penalty, mm. the Cowboys get the walk out of their own end. So, well, if they um, thought that they were going to get more offense and more fluency with Moylan coming over and playing in the halves, they were, they were dead wrong. Maloney's going to be a big loss for them, in my opinion. They... They didn't look rudderless because they've got enough names there to create offense and. I thought Townsend was steady, but he needs. But to me, Townsend needs needs a he stable needs a halves, halves partner. He doesn't have one. Moylan's not the answer. So, you know, I'm not sure where they go in terms of a, another player. They've got uh, Hodkinson there. I'm not sure whether he's going to be the answer, but they've got to try something. Uh, I've got concerns over the Sharks after watching that round one game. I'm of the opinion that Moylan's better at one. But I think also, that we're both of that. Opinion. I think that Hodkinson coming in means they've got two halves that like to control things and kick well and defend well. I don't think they've got someone who's really an attacking player who's going to dig in the line, who's going to create a whole lot. So then you'd be relying a lot more on your forward pack doing your job and those other guys getting involved in just creating quick play the balls like a Dugan, like a Holmes in the yardage game to get someone like Moylan involved on a sweep because those two sevens aren't really genuine running threats. I think Townsend is a good runner of the football and he's got a good short kicking game, but he's not the running threat that Maloney was. No, he's not. And he's not as likely to dig into the line and find a way through. And I still, with you, Moylan doesn't have that ability to play square, dig into me and get through a line. Yeah. He plays with space, numbers, and when things are broken down, just like he did at Touch and Oztag. So um, I just think overall they were a bit scrappy. They need to figure out what those positions are going to be. Um, but the sad thing is, as always, they find a way to stay in it, regardless of errors, penalties. What's the game? I'd look at as a Sharks fan and think you could have easily won that game. Oh, 100%. And if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm not disappointed because there was a couple of changes there, obviously. I thought Tamari Martin was very, very good late he inclusion was. in the game. Yeah. Hampton, I obviously. Hampton was good at one, yeah. He made a couple of errors, but he tried super, super hard at the back there and uh, their forward pack was outstanding. They spotted up. Obviously, Moylan, as we talked about, inside 20 and most of the night, Tom Lola, those guys, when they found a couple of those early tries and... Pulled them apart a couple of times, but through the middle, they're so stubborn, the Sharkies. But the one who was disappointing in game one, I know he got a bit of a head knot with McLean. I thought he would have had a bit of a, a better bit night. Slow. 
wasn't very happy return. I thought Scott looked a bit sluggish in return as well. But when you've got Tom Lolo, Hess, Bolton, even Jensen. Jensen, by the back end of last year, was very good and started very well again as well. That's a hell of a forward pack. It's a hell of an interchange. And you get no breaks. No. You bring Tamalolo off, you put Hess on. You bring Scott off, you put Bolton on. You get McLean off, you know, Scott comes back, etc. It's just a relentless bombardment from the forward pack. Two consistent edge back rolls as well. The back line's not the flashiest one of all, but it's very rugged. It does its work in yardage and it does its job. So very serviceable. And then, like I said, if Martin's your backup half, you're doing very, very well. Yeah. And Morgan's going to come back into the fray. And then we said Carney. And- During the preseason, if they don't get Carney, you've got Hampton who plays those positions as well. And Jake Clifford was under 20s player of the year and other half. Am I the only one that thinks that this Carney situation isn't so much for this year, it's for next year? I, I've got the feeling that the Sharks know that, sorry, the Cowboys know that the NRL is going to come back and say, he's got to serve 12 months or whatever the punishment is because they haven't had to address the bubbler incident and all the stuff that's gone on off the field in the Super League, et cetera, et cetera. For me, it looks like a plan post-Thurston. It doesn't look like a plan so much for this year. You think got it, Martin, Thurston, Do you Morgan, think it's a bridge Hampton. between Morgan and Martin possibly playing as a pairing? Because to me, I don't think he needs a bridge, Martin. I think Martin and Morgan took you no, to I a think grand this final. Year, this year, I don't see where it lands on the radar. I think it's more a, a 2019... I think it's an option for depth next year because the possibility of Lachlan Coote trying to find a way out of his contract Yeah, but I mean, well. people are sort of going, well, they're talking about this year. Or but or I, I, just don't, I just don't see where he where he fits in. I just think if you've got 29 spots filled out of those 30 and you've got one left and you're not confident in Thurston's health and yeah, Morgan playing Origin, then, so then you've securing. got Martin and Todd Carney. Yeah, securing. So instead of getting but on I think the it's forward, more for next year. Oh, I don't know. I don't really see that. I kind of look at their forward pack. They definitely don't need players there. Outside backs, they've got a couple of good kids like an Ari Tawala and that then come in and play. Uh, Javid Bowen, who did a good job on the weekend. But I'm just looking and thinking if Thurston goes down, fingers crossed he doesn't. If Morgan plays rep football, you've got Martin, you've got Hampton, yes, but then you've also got the option yeah, I get to have it. a Todd Carney. But what I'm saying is I think it's more for next year, knowing that Thurston's going. So I'm going to solve that issue now by signing Carney. I don't think... Green will really want to use him this year. Ideally, you're going to have Morgan and Thurston because uh, Thurston isn't playing Origin. When Thurston's out, you put Martin in. But would you think at age 32 or 33, whatever he is, next year, three or four years removed from the NRL with hamstring problems, he's going to start over Morgan or Martin? No, no, that's what I'm saying. I think it's a depth player, Yeah, but more signing with the thought of Thurston retiring. Well, either way, I'd be happy as far as depth for whether it's this year or next year. Mm. But obviously both have got a lot to work on. The error rates are closing the game out. The Cowboys had a lot of football also, but they could have scored some more points, but Sharks turn them away. Sharks, errors, discipline, getting out of yardage, just sorting out those positions. Uh, I'm of the opinion, as we said earlier, Holmes to the wing, Dugan yeah, or Moylan to the fullback, and could you bring Hodkinson in? Uh, but very sad for Sione Catal to break his draw on debut. You never yeah, want to see that. He'll be back. And, uh, yeah, I think the other one there is Jonathan Thurston. 300 games. Absolutely outstanding. He's been great. It's good to see him reach that milestone. He's been an absolute gem to the game of rugby league. So good to see him back playing football as well. Tigers versus the Roosters, 10-8. My God, the Tigers were tough. Um, If it wasn't already a big enough thing that he's coming to the game and most people looked at the lineup in this preseason and thought, has he lost his mind? He's named five captains. Then round one, McQueen, Jesse Sue, Josh Reynolds, Nofaluma not in the side. And they're like, wow, he really has gone crazy. And they just rip in. Yeah. They just rip in. They're relentless. They scrambled uh, in yardage. They were very, very good. The one thing they did a great job of in yardage was forcing second efforts from the Roosters. They had 19 offloads to nine. Corey Thompson in particular was absolutely outstanding. Isan Masters. 
every time it looked like they had two or three players in, they managed to get an offload, make the rooster scramble again, took the gas out of their big guys. And, uh, you know, Benji Marshall, what else can you say? He ran an absolute clinic on the weekend as far as controlling and being a half for them. Yeah, and did. I thought Luke Brooks flourished playing next to him. Much different to his experience the first time he played with Benji Marshall four or five years back, whenever that was. And I thought they were really, really steady. They were. They were uh, They were excellent. I thought the Roosters were super conservative, played right into the hands of the Tigers, and they won it late. They were close enough, if good enough, late, and they were good enough. You know, it was a try for Falcon. It was strange. Yep. Uh, the whole game, to be honest, was a little bit strange. I think that's what made it so entertaining. Um, for me, this one will be remembered, long remembered for the commentary debut of Matt Nable, which was... Well, Isaac something, Liu, something to behold. Isaac Liu and Zane Tedavano have switched places. Apparently. Blocker Roach. Uh, Danny Badiris was punished on the weekend as well. I'd... Interesting. Yeah, yeah, let's not go into it too much. But, yeah, full credit to the Tigers. I thought Benji Marshall was... He was outstanding. Yeah, he was. He was and excellent. And in particular, um, the minute where the sin binning happened and Luke Brooks got sent off there, he was great in that period in crushing things, finding touch, just really... Settling things down and steadying the ship for the Tigers through that period in particular. Yeah, um, you know, and even those guys that we, but there's unsung players in that side. Like Robbie Rocco has been to three or four, three clubs not the last two years. Mm-hmm. Gets there, massive off season. He played outstanding on the weekend, and most people would have thought, how's he starting in this team? Matt Eisenhuth has had a real tough run. He was a great junior rep, but he had some issues off field. He had like bone cancer or something. It was almost done. Comes in last year under Ivan Cleary, plays absolutely outstanding. Plays on the weekend again, brilliant. Peter Godno's been a bit of a journeyman, Super League, Manly, Warriors, here, there, and everywhere. Gets to start at nine over Little, McKilrick, and then even possibly Benji or someone else you might have thought have played in, instead of Reynolds in that spot. Does a great job. So um, Alex Twell, Elijah Taylor, all these guys. Ivan Cleary's a hell of a coach. Yeah, I'm not knocking the players, but if you would have looked at that side on the weekend, that would have been the one game you looked at and go 13 plus. Yeah. They're probably going to get hammered. But the quality of character... The quality of all this basic stuff, like you said, fundamentals and just digging in and having a rip in for your team and what he's trying to build there, it was all on display on the weekend. Um, and for the Rooster side of things, I thought they were pretty clunky. I thought Cronk was okay. I thought he kicked well, but I thought he struggled when things broke down a few times and the Rooster started to get a bit ad-libbed. He looks lost without a bit of structure. Friend, to me, was one that was very off. Um, his timing was a bit wrong and he needs to stop kicking. He's got very kick-happy in the past 18 months and a lot of times seven tackles set sort of as poor kicks in general. Cornish in, was pretty average on the ball. Ted Desco was very well contained, and that's because the middles didn't do a very good job. But Rhea Hargraves and Napa in particular was very, very quiet. Is there still simmering things behind the scenes? I'm hearing so. He wanted to leave last year. Him and Robinson had a couple of Barneys. If that's still an issue, that needs to be nutted out pretty quickly. Yeah, and that would that. be a massive loss for them because the middles are the big question and what led them to burn out in the finals at the back end of last year. And Corden off the bench, if he's healthy, like we said before, you started. Yeah. Um, you know, you yeah, I, I thought their middles were poor, and that was what cost them at the back end of last year. There was an obvious hole there with uh, Kiri not there. They, they just looked clunky. Yeah. They, they looked clunky. They they didn't look as though they had much combinations and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So they're, they're a work in progress. I think that was always going to be the case. I still expected them to win. hundred percent. The one standout was Blake Ferguson. He was outstanding. Yeah, he was good. His yardage work, everything he did. He made a couple of clean line breaks. He had like three line breaks, 200 plus metres. He was just brilliant on the weekend, but not a lot of other bright spots there, but more time, new combinations. They're all going to figure each other out. Kiri's going to compliment Kronk, I think, a lot more, but those middles have to lay a platform. Mm-hmm. That's the big one, but... Full credit to all those Tigers. Corey Thompson uh, in particular, Benji Marshall, Isan Masters, that pack, very good job by them and a great win first up. 
New Zealand Warriors, 32-20 over South Sydney. Uh, I thought early on this was one of my favourite games of the weekend. I thought their attack on both sides and the, the flow of that game and some of the tries we saw in the first half were absolutely outstanding. But on top of that, you got that cracker try saver by Roger Tuovasashek on Alex Johnston when he was going in the corner there. And also, both teams willing to run on the last tackle and come up with a couple of cracker tries. Yeah, It was it was a really, really entertaining first half. And Souths have gone from one end of the spectrum to the other. They've gone from being one of the most boring teams in the comp along with the Bulldogs and not willing to chance their arm to free-flowing, moving the football, trying to lay a line there so Cook can jump out or Cody Walker and these guys can get on the ball and run. And at times they look really dangerous, but I think at the same time you've got to have a balance of risk and reward. And they looked a bit too happy to throw the football around and try and force their way into the line where sometimes they just needed to punch one in, get a quick play of the ball, then play off the back of it. Um, there was a few errors there that I think hurt them, whereas the Warriors kind of found a good balance. They were willing to play football, but at the same time when they needed to knuckle down, get out of yardage, guys like Fusi Tua, Ken Marmolo, like even Harris on debut coming in and finding a ball and helping out the middles. Like they just they did their job before they started to play a bit of football. And I think in the end, that was probably one of the big differences and Johnson being freed up and Sheck being freed up, I thought that happened off the back of Blake Green being there and having a great yeah, platform. They just looked faster. They had more possession. The Rabbitohs look good, don't get me wrong. They put some holes in the Warriors, but they never really got any momentum. They never really got any big lots of possession in order to sort of get themselves ahead in the game. Their defence wasn't great either. Like, uh, edge defence held, yeah. and I've got a problem with that because against a big Warriors side and that fast-moving sweep play with Johnson and Yushex and all that, you can't hold and slide. Yeah. And they got pulled apart, rightfully so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, on those shifts some of the times for the south side thing, when they had the football, like Dane Gagai, his two tap-ons and him in general on the weekend, he was great on debut. He was. Um, you know, there was a couple of guys, Cody Walker who kind of flourished. Sam Burgess, what do you expect? Every week he's the same. Uh, I didn't like the fact that Murray started on the bench. I thought they might have put Sam into the middle and Murray would have started at 13 or Fuimano or someone get a spot in the starting side. But I think they've made some changes already this week. Nichols uh, has been dropped back to the bench and I think Murray is playing the 13 and Sam into the front row. Yeah, I think they're lacking a bit in the middle was my question in the season preview. Could Nichols and the Twins lay enough of a platform or a Musgrove or Tavita Totola who they gave a debut? Can those guys do enough of a job? And I'm not sure they can in the middle of the field. Um, and Adam Reynolds is already injured. Funnily enough, and we mentioned in the well, preseason. We said that last week. Can he stay on the field? And he's already hurt. Yeah. Uh, four to six weeks, apparently, with a bit of a knee clean out. So Adam Doohy has been named over Robbie Farrell, and you'd expect that he's going to be the one who gets the run over Farrell. They're not going to pull a Swifty late with him in 18. No, I think Doohy will play. And he Doohy was excellent in the charity shield. So yeah. I think they have to make a decision on this because he's off contract this year and a lot of clubs were sniffing around after what he did in the World Cup. Hmm. And in all honesty, even though Adam Reynolds has got a contract till 2021, the last few years I looked, his first three years he played all the games. The last three, he's missed eight, nine games every year. If durability is going to become a problem, then every week he seems to have tape on every limb on his body. We all know that contracts mean nothing these days. And I'm sure there would be a club possibly looking to pick him up if do he is all they say he is. That's obviously reading a lot into it and I wouldn't go that far just yet. Um, but yeah, Adam Reynolds definitely has some durability issues over the past few seasons that are a concern, that's for sure. Absolutely, so, yeah. See what happens with those changes, but the Warriors, they were great. Um, kind of weird, the, the Zen out after the tries. They get in a huddle, they took a deep breath, they reset, but great composure. It was smart, yeah, smart. It obviously settled them and got their mind on the job, and they were uh, 
they were definitely less frantic, but I think it comes back to their conditioning and their fundamentals, as we previously mentioned. Yep. All the spine fit and firing. Isaac Luke's best game in a Warriors jersey. Johnson looked absolutely outstanding. There's one moment I've got to bring up, though. Halftime, I thought the Rabbitohs were gypped. I thought they scored a try off Walker's pass to Jennings. I didn't think that was forward. And the ensuing set went 100 metres the other way, and Johnson laid on a try for Fussy Tour. Mm. So I'm not saying that cost South the game. I think the Warriors were still the better side. That's a huge moment heading into halftime. Yeah, it was. Um, I didn't think that was a forward pass, and that really, really did come back to hurt them. So um, some positives there. Cook, Burgess, Gagai, etc. Walker. But, yeah, all round, I think you can give a rap to most players in that New Zealand side. Let's hope we see that week two. Yeah, consistency is the issue. Yep. Uh, The Melbourne Storm versus the Bulldogs, 36-18. In this one, I'm with you. I thought the Dogs were fairly impressive. Yeah, for their, their changes. They, they punched fair, fairly well. Yeah, they certainly came in looking to play some attacking football. Moses Mbai freed up at the back there, just been able to run and inject himself. He was outstanding, I thought, in that game. Well, he was, yeah. Like, I mean, the first kick that went down, he received it and went 80. So yep. they just looked to have a different mindset. They looked to play a lot straighter. They looked a lot faster. You know, I don't know whether they were actually physically faster, but mm-hmm. their play seemed more direct and, and quicker, which is only going to be a positive thing. Yep. Leisha jumped out a little bit more and got the forwards over the ad line. They were obviously encouraged to pop some offloads, which is not a bad thing against Melbourne. They stretched Melbourne a lot, who had to scramble very well. I thought Kieran Foran, um, you know, we had questions over his health and will he last the whole year. He was outstanding as well. He's good. While he stays on the field, there's yeah, no 100%. doubting his ability. And he was an absolute beast on that left edge with Fytala Mariner. He had an absolute blind every game in the back row. Good to see him starting. And uh, I think on the other side of the field, that freed up Frawley, who also got a bit of a license to play some football. And he didn't look too bad either with the shackles off. So mm. um, we had some questions on that side of things. I think the big thing for me is still just the middles. Uh, they tried hard, but they didn't get a lot off the bench in Tolman who's not really an impact player. And I think Elliot, it's a bit weird having him off the bench as well. And uh, that was kind of a bit weird. And Marshall King got like the last 10 minutes. So the bench was a kind of a bit iffy for me. Yeah. And Clemmer and Woods, can you start them together? Do you need to bring one off the bench? That's something they might have to look at doing. Uh, Renoff Tuamaga, a guy I thought who should have played first grade by now is another big body. I, I think they're lacking a little bit off their bench and that's just where they're at because they're doing a bit of a flip of the squad themselves. So Yeah, and um, Pay's learning who he trusts and who he doesn't trust, etc. So there's a little bit to still be worked out for the Bulldogs, but that happens when you get a new coach in and you're trying to play a different style and you've got some new players. So Yeah, well, they had a they had a massive trust in Fuolala who apparently had a massive off-season. He was rewarded with a start. The two front rowers were quite obvious they were going to be there. Big money players in the Australian front row, even though, you know, don't agree with that at all time. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jackson Good, Fytala Marin is the one I'm happy about. I yeah. thought he should have played a lot more football last year and complained about that. He brings genuine power, damage on the edge, offloads. Bit of a Joe Nullivar lookalike. Yeah, there was lots of hair on the field on the weekend. That's for sure. But um, things are only going to get better for them, I think. It's pretty straightforward. They played Melbourne, who are one of the best scrambling sides in the, the comp and have now got genuine attack, as we found out last year. They're not only one of the best defensive sides, now they're one of the best attacking sides. Exactly. Yeah. And why at times I thought Melbourne were pretty full, uh, poor defensively, they found points when they wanted them quite easily. 
And early Cameron, on, early on, Melbourne's defence was a little bit off, a little yeah. bit lazy, and a little bit slow, but they warmed into it as the game went on. That forward pack is getting scary again and scarier with the fact that I know Cassiano only played 10 minutes, but looking at his carries and his mobility, he looked very, very good. But Nelson Osofa Solomona, he's still only 20, 21 years old. Yep. And the offload step for the try after he absolutely just sat down Josh Jackson before that, who should have went for a HIA, mind you, yep. um, was incredible. Jesse Bromwich looked really refreshed for me. Croft, well, I thought he was outstanding. I thought he was too busy. He was on the ball. He was really dictating things. He's revved up. I love that he's constantly a threat, but he needs to learn when to just pull back a little bit. Yeah. He overplayed his hand a few times. Him and Jack's kicked out once or twice. But the, the main standout for me was probably Cameron Munster. Um, just kind of reminding me again why I had such big opinion of him as a fullback the year prior. And Bellamy said as much in the post-match presser. He, he was. He was on the ball. He injected himself well. Set up three tries, mm. broke the line a couple of times, he's, and he's just a pest. Take you can't put him on the out, ground. Take Cronk out, and they still still just churn along. Yeah, um, and over reliable, all the pieces there. Ado Car, he's a freak. Yeah, well, uh, I don't I don't want to touch on things too early when I give players play raps, right but that's what I was about to say. Mm. Uh, that snatch and grab when he came in when they had a three on one, and I think he jammed one of the Morrises or Mbai and then stole the football. Yeah, that play is freakish. Um, so a little little bit clunky at times defensively, but they've certainly got plenty of attack in their team now. Defense is going to get better, and Bellamy said as much in his press conference. So, um, the dogs are, you know, they're going to be interesting to watch the first few weeks. They will be, yeah. And Melbourne, obviously. They play, I think they play the Roosters this week, the Bulldogs. So, it's that's danger going to be game. Inter- interesting straight away because the Roosters weren't overly impressive. And I thought the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs have got the potential to put some points on. And I'm not sure the Roosters' attack is fluent enough at the moment or yet. Mm. to be able to match them. So they're going to have to be on defensively, the Roosters. 100%. Penrith versus the Eels, 24-14. A very impressive comeback after a first half that seemed like it was just all the Eels. They it were, was all the Eels. They were rolling. They were finding repeat sets. Penrith were quite poor defensively. They gave away some penalties and were pinned down their own half. Uh, that left edge kind of got exposed, that new Maloney edge. They went after that and found a couple of tries there. Norman off that easy show-and-go, even after... Moses went off to the field, got, I think it was James Fisher-Harris and Pete Wallace sliding. At 14 nil. you're sitting there and you're looking at Penrith going, they couldn't have done any more wrong and Parramatta have just been in complete control. But the turning point just before halftime, Manu Mau, that late shot that didn't need to happen on Josh Mansour when Wunga Blake just dropped the football heading the other way. Mm. Instead of being an error inside good ball with five to go attacking Penrith, basically a 60-metre turnaround putting Penrith straight in a good ball. And Wunga Blake scores an under-10s try where four or five blokes just seem to fall off. He is a dynamic, powerful Cameron runner. Cameron King missed him. But, yeah, four or five guys missed him. He scores. They go into halftime 14-6 and almost conceded right on halftime. So if I'm after, I'm steaming. Hmm. But the second half, they were just never in the game. They, they did what well, they Penrith did. Yeah, they didn't bank enough points in the first half, that's for sure. No. So, but they, Corey Norman missed a sitter of a goal in front as well. So they, they left points out there on the field in the first half. And the game just turned around in the second half and Penrith were just good enough to grind away, take advantage of the possession and they, uh, what was it, 20 nil in the second half. Well, they got the ball to get back to 65-35 possession in the second half and they took it. Moses obviously then got put in the bin. Cleary took advantage of that at the time. So did Pete Wallace jumping out of dummy half. The forwards really started to do a good job. Viliami Kikiawa had the shits last year that he didn't play more football and I had the shits that he was benched on the weekend. Yeah. Because there was if, a lot of reshuffles with the Penrith side, wasn't there? Yeah, I just I don't understand it. And Laota as well getting reshuffled in there instead of Campbell Gillard. He wanted Campbell Gillard to play a straight sixty, but not the first twenty minutes for some reason. I mm. I don't know. I Interesting, thought it was a bit weird. But Kickout came on, did exactly what I would hope would have done: damaging run, set up a try. 
busted things up. Merrin and all those guys were very, very busy as well. Cleary jumped on the back of things. Dylan Edwards was absolutely outstanding as well. So busy at the back. There was a couple of drops, but just the ball running. And they've got a very strong yardage game, set starts, which is something you talked about a few times. There's a big focus for them a couple of years ago, and Ivan Cleary got there, and they've carried that on. Yeah, They really like to start their sets well in yardage. So um, it quietens things down a bit for now. Well, tell me a better side in yardage than Penrith in terms of getting out of their own end. Like, I mean, Melbourne are great, but in terms of having, uh, you know, your centres and wingers who are strong, dynamic, get quick play the balls... Penrith are as good as anyone in the competition. They're pretty good at it, yes. They've got a big focus on it, no doubt about it. But uh, it was just a, the typical story of a tale of two different halves. I it think. was. They were, Parramatta were Penrith in the second half. They couldn't hold the ball. They got penalised. They couldn't get out of yardage. Then the sin bin definitely didn't help things. And by the end of the game, when they got some football back, they were just gassed. They had no hope. It was all gone. And full credit to Penrith for turning it around and finding a very, very good win. I thought Maloney was very poor on debut, though. Yeah, he um, wasn't, wasn't great. And but... I thought Jared Hayne was actually pretty good on debut. He was solid. He contributed with some good carries and some solid defense. So um, Arthur, sadly, asked for more composure heading into this season, and they didn't, didn't have get it. it. So let's hope they can turn things around week two. And the Penrith thing, has it gone away for now? Yes, but they're only one loss away from all that drama coming back up. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And the last game of the round, your mob, the Titans. Woo! 30-28 over the Canberra Raiders after being down 18-0 after 10 minutes. They yeah. got absolutely tin-canned in the middle of the field. Nathan Peets and Ryan James, I have no idea what was going on, whether it was spacing or technique, but they were dreadful. And Leilani Latu as well. They just got absolutely pulled apart. And then suddenly, a bit of a first opportunity, Canberra did the exact same thing. Let Kevin Proctor crash over in a pretty poor tackle. Ash Taylor kicks him behind with a grabber. Finds a nice try there when Canberra started to give them some ball and some penalties. And then you've got Leilua, who yeah. has an opportunity to score, drops it over the line. He did, yeah. And it gets to 24-12 at halftime when it should have been about 30-6. to six. Mm. Um, But Canberra... It's, yeah, I, I had the season done after 13 minutes. It was 18-0. You were pretty filthy, were you? I was angry, yeah. Uh, I don't know what to make of this game. I don't know whether the Titans just started slow and Canberra are a good side and, you know, this is going to be good form. But to me, it sort of looked like it's it's going to be a bad form game and, you know, Canberra are going to have to improve on that in order to make the eight. The Titans, again, you know, the question's over, can they put together 80 minutes of footy? And even the second half, like I know they won, but how many other halves for the rest of this year are they going to get 80% of the ball? Not many. Not many. So, like you know, I think that might be a bit of a false dawn for the Titans that that – uh, victory, I'm, you know, rap that they won, rap that they were good enough to settle and compose and come back and win, even, you know, with a minute to go, it wasn't looking likely. So I don't know what to take out of this game. I'd like, I want to see them both play again this week and uh, I'll have some more confidence in my opinion on both teams, I think. Well, Conrad Harrell was outstanding as much as I good. think he's rocks and diamonds. The carries were absolutely brilliant. He was very, very powerful. And there weren't many errors to go with it, which was good. Yep. Uh, I think Ash Taylor, from a slow start, had a hand in four tries. He was very, very good. He He's got to be well. more dominant. I think you just want to see him dig in the line more. He seems to just catch pass a lot when things aren't going well. When things are going very well, he's on the ball And constantly. to me, I've, you know, if he's just going to catch pass, why are you handling the ball? Yeah. Give, the, give the forwards a ball early and get a wider pass off the nine. LG's still got to find some form. I thought he was okay by the end of it, but he kicked out a few times. He made a few poor decisions. and. Uh, the pack, Proctor was better. I thought Ryan James, while he did some silly things, had a pretty solid game. And they've still got Jared Boss to come back and a couple other guys. So yeah. defense is the big focus for them, though. That middle defense in the first 10 minutes is unacceptable at the NRL level. And for Canberra, edge defense, discipline, like just there's a lot of things that need to be addressed there. Yep. 
But Joey Leilua, you can't be dropping that over the line. Then the knockdown for the set of six. Uh, Austin, when he got on, he was very, very poor defensively. Both sides of the field got exposed a couple of times. Caesar, I thought Williams was very good on return. I thought Jack White was pretty good, and I thought Jordan Rapana as always was pretty good. And Joe Tapine, who looked like he was going to have a big impact, he's out now with a broken finger, and Whitehead, who was okay in that game as well, he was pretty solid. He's now going to be moving back to the edge. So already another player out for Canberra, which hurts, and that loss hurts a lot. Oh, Composure, yeah. Yeah. discipline, hold the ball, cut the errors out. Uh, yeah. Finish off a game. The halves and the spine situations really bother me. Like Austin can't play at nine because I don't think he can defend the middle, but he also struggles on the edge. And that right edge, which was terrible last year, was bad again on the weekend defensively. So mm-hmm. still a few questions there for Canberra that they've got to figure out. But that wraps up our reviews of the games from the weekend. We'll jump in now to some of your fan questions and uh, pump a few of those out. So jumping straight into things, a few people, uh, multiple people have brought up talks of expansion again because of the new NRL commission and things moving forward and pros and cons as to a WA team. I like the idea. I like the time slot, uh, but I don't like relocation. I think it's got to be a new franchise. Yeah, and I 100% agree. Do we have the depth at the moment? I'm not too sure. Well, I think you've got to bring in two more teams. I've said that before, that the my big issue is the elite keep getting paid more, the bottom ending get enough of a bump for me, the contracts need to be more balanced, there's too many guys that still go to Super League for me, like Corey Thompson and Mahe Fanua and guys that have come back, Yeah, and they need to be a part of your squad. I like the development deals they've got for kids, I think that helps. I think WA pros is that I think they can find government support and a private owner, like a Twiggy Johnson or that bloke's name was who was involved in the rugby union, and obviously they've been going to some of the games over there. Um, I think that's got possibility. They do have the Western Pirates in SG Ball, no longer Harold Matt. so is there enough of a junior pathway? No, they'll face similar challenges to what Melbourne would from the start. And the second team would be Brisbane for me easily. Yeah. The second Brisbane team, because there's juniors, there'll definitely be money, there'll definitely be a conglomerate or a private owner. But WA, pros and cons. Cons maybe, like you said, juniors, private ownership, how much money do we need to sink into it? But a new stadium and the possibility of an owner like Twiggy Johnson and straight away, I think it's a relevant idea. Absolutely. So yeah, I think there's that. more pros than cons. Definitely on that side of things. A lot of people have obviously asked questions, as I said before, about the Bulldogs and the Raiders. We've kind of already gone over that. So if I don't read your name out, that's probably the obvious reason why there. And Matty Hunt, he's returned for us, brought with the passenger of the week. Yeah, good. So he's back on board here saying the passenger of round one is the million-dollar man, James Tedesco. Very unhappy start to the year for Teddy, racking up average metres for nine and runs and dropping a sitter of a try. P.S. Keep delivering the gold. Cheers for that one, champion. It's hard to argue. He didn't have his best game, James Tedesco. Yeah, I agree on that. Uh, George Krenitis says, as a fan of the game, he was happy to see the Warriors play well, but as a Bunny supporter, he was heartbroken because he doesn't believe they should be that far off the pace. Um, Reynolds out again for an extended period of time, what already appears to be a crucial point of the season. What quick decisions, if any, need to be made by the Rabbitohs to ensure that this isn't another wasted year? Well, I've got to be completely honest. I like what I've seen more out of Doohy than I did out of Reynolds. And so from that perspective, I know it was only in a trial, but from that perspective, I think you're going to get a an improvement this week. I expect them to improve. I'm not worried about the Rabbitohs just yet. They're going to play Penrith this week, who are beatable in my books. I know it's away from home. Yeah. But for me, I wouldn't be pushing the panic button. I think also you've got to read a little bit into the form of the Warriors, and they look really, really good. So yeah. there's a lot of things you've got to take into account, and... I think this week would give you a better indication of where they're at. Well, they've certainly addressed the middle straight away. Obviously, they weren't happy with Nichols and the Twins because Sam's moved straight in the middle. Cameron Murray's come straight into the starting side, so they want to tighten things up there. Yep. And Dwight, he's a bigger body, seemed to kick pretty well, run pretty well. And I think him and Walker, with yep. the way they want to play now, will suit. 
So yeah. see what happens there. Uh, what have we got here? Nathan Thompson, when will Origin die? Never. I think, never. I don't even think that needs a lot of justification, even with New South Wales struggling. People love watching it. We've been close a couple of times. We need the right coach, the right selections, and the right game plan. So That's I, right. I never think it'll die. Easy one. Uh, Scott Brainy says, Hey, boys, the refs are giving a lot of soft penalties already this season, especially cracking down the 10-meter rule, the play of the ball. Don't understand why they don't ref like they do during big games, finals matches, and origin. When do they put the whistle on their pocket and the game's better to watch? What do you think the benefits of penalising clubs are? I thought the referees were good on that. I was about to say, I yeah. kind of disagree for club football because before they haven't been pushing it a lot as far as penalties inside the 10, laying in the ruck, repeated infringements. I like the sin bins and the couple of penalties. I think it got people to knock it off as yeah. the game went on. The referees had a big part in the quality of the football that we saw over the weekend and the fact that it was open. And I like the play the balls again now because you can't just roll it and steal a quick play the ball after you've had a dominant ruck. You have to actually make somewhat of an effort and it gives defences a better chance to get involved now as well. Yeah. And they nailed it, guys for hands on the ball and laying the ruck. I thought they were very, very good. Yeah, if you do it consistently instead of just for a month, teams will stop doing it if they realise that it keeps going. The big problem is every year there's a flavour of the month for four to six weeks and then we stop. Yep. That's the big issue we have. Uh, Michael Prazuto, what are your thoughts on the Bulldogs? Uh, multiple people have brought this up. Um, there was a couple of horrible reads from Munster. He says he that cost us dearly. Thought the spine played well. Leash a dangerous foreign. Mate, like we touched on before, and a couple of people in here have asked questions about the Bulldogs. We both think they were very, very good. They looked expansive with the football. Foreign helped out. They pushed off loads. They got over the advantage line. They tried to shift. They ran on the last. And Bai looked very dangerous at the back. The big thing is, I think, just during a rebuilding period and the salary cap issues they got now, at the end of the year when Eastwood, the Morrises, and a couple of guys move on, they're going to free up some money because they're only a bit of cap pressure and they're going to go out and buy some better depth players because right now with Tolman, Eastwood, etc. off the bench, I don't think there's a lot uh, as far as impact is concerned. Uh, Josh Ann says, Slade Giffen played well, especially defensively, but he felt his service was slow. Watson looked dynamic when he went to nine and he improved the attack. Lamb was phenomenal after coming on, gave them better options along with Pierce, and he believes Danny Levi is the best pure nine. Having said that, when do I see Levi getting back into the team? At the moment, mate, I don't see Levi getting back into the team. Uh, we both agree on Lamb coming into the halves, but I think Slade Griffin holds down the middle. He's a better defender. The service is good enough, and he jagged a try, and he wants someone tough who's going to hold down the middle for him, and he wants to have a 14 who can play multiple positions, not just nine, which Levi, unfortunately, at this moment, I think Brock would agree. He's purely a nine. Yeah, he is. So yeah. I think Watson and Griffin for the short term right now are the two guys that are going to play those two I'd roles. I agree with that, yeah. Yep. Uh, Jake Humphreys, do you think a penalty for an incorrect play the ball is warranted? I understand it's relatively yes. easily ruled. Yes. That yes. doesn't. You, ha- you have to play the ball. Yes. You can't roll it. The touch football bullshit, that's gone. You have yep. to play the rule. It's been there forever. We did it as juniors. I always did it. I don't understand how the roll ball got in. Well, we saw it coming because they do Harold, it training. Harold Matthews and SG Ball, they've been hammering it. Yeah. And which is good. Um. I don't have a problem with it. Probably yeah. because we haven't had a roll ball penalty yet this year, but that's only because, I don't know, maybe after our, obviously our boys have taken into taken it in and the fact that you can't do it. But I'm sure we're going to get a roll ball penalty before the year's done, and I won't complain. Yeah, 100%. Bruce McDonald, he agrees with us as far as the Sharks, and I'm sure a lot of people having homes move. His question is more, does Dugan play fullback? Does Moylan play fullback? Does Hodgkins come to the halves, etc.? Uh, I don't think there's an easy and fast answer right now. I think the number one thing that needs to happen, though, is that Moylan goes to fullback. Yep. And that Holmes is a better winger. Dugan stays at the centres, and you see what happens with Hodkinson and Townsend in the halves. And if you're not happy with that, maybe Moylan has to go back there. And Dugan goes to fullback. But they need to find another way around things at the moment. They do. Because it's not working uh, as far as things are at this point in time. 
John Renahan says the holding down and tackle dilemma takes away from the attacking side of the ball, makes it a wrestling match. It should be if the ball-carrying player's body touches the ground, the tackle is complete and the defenders roll away. This is constantly holding down to gain advantages, taking away from brilliant fast movement of the game. Well, I think they've gotten better on it. I don't know about you. I don't think the rucks are as bad. I think they pinned him on the weekend. And the main thing for me was inside 20. If there was a couple of penalties in a row, people got sent to the bin. Or yeah. if people infringed inside the 20 on breaks and all that kind of stuff, Moses went... Brooks went when he interfered with the ruck. Uh, someone from the Warriors, I think it was, got binned after three repeated penalties inside 10. So the rest was a part of the game. They're not just going to let you jump straight off. It'd be absolute chaos if you, uh, you didn't have any control of the ruck. But uh, I don't think it's as bad, John, to be honest, as it has been in previous years. But yeah, give it four to six weeks until we find out if they're going to be consistent. Yeah. Uh, Luke Smith, flops and standouts. Love your work, boys. As a Penner fan, would love your thoughts on improvements you've seen. Compared to last year, was their second half good or were Parra just bad and maybe not as fit for the first game? Oh, I think it was just a game of two halves. I, I thought they were both pretty handy. I think they mirrored each other. They both punished themselves, not being able to get at yardage, poor with discipline, giving away penalties, repeats, getting pinned. But Parramatta in particular, like you said, left points on the field by missing those goals. Moe's penalty really, really hurt them. And not being fit enough is no excuse. They've had a massive preseason. Exactly. But it was a hot day. They gassed themselves out in the second half. And the sin bin was the big difference. Penrith didn't have someone put in the bin. When that happened, uh, Penrith ran away with it. And it really put them to the sword. And they were out of gas for the second half. Uh, Zach Moss, how good with the Dragons? Uh, you're probably touching on a few things we've already brought up here. We've talked about the Broncos changes he's got here. Uh, and the halves and the fullback. I don't think that Bird that you've got here can play halfback or 5'8", mate. The only change that I probably see happening, and I doubt they'll do it, is Boyd, to me, could play 5'8 and Milford fullback, but they still don't have a genuine number seven, so you're not fixing any problems anyway. You don't have a dominant kicking game. You don't have someone there who's dictating the play, even if it was, say, Nikarima and Boyd in the halves and Milford playing at the fullback. Yeah. I think he'd offer another dynamic, but they still lack in a seven regardless. Nikarima, to me, is a bench impact player, but again, for now, unless Dargan at 20 years old from the Parramatta Eels, who's the junior Kangaroo's seven. Uh, he's confident enough to come in, or Wayne Bennett's confident enough that he can run things at seven. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, he's going to be fit enough to come back. That's right. Like yeah. At the moment, they don't have that option anyway. But he's so. never played first grade. He had a pretty good stint in New South Wales Cup last year, and he looked pretty good. But yeah. is he ready to guide a team around for right. 24 rounds of the year and with a young forward pack? Hmm. They've got some origin players in the back row, but their forward pack is a bit light on. Yeah. Um, and is Ben Hunt the missing piece? To win a comp, I don't know if they've got enough in their team to win a comp, but I definitely think if all things fall into place, they could be... Uh, a team that pushes for the top four if everything went right and they weren't origin-affected. So I uh, have to see what happens in that regard for them there. Matty Timbrell, who should be in the New South Wales team? Come on, mate. Too early in the year. You're only joking. Completely understand about that one there. Mitch Madley asking about the Bulldogs and the balance there. Mate, I think we've touched on that one as well. Um, obviously, the big thing for there, I don't think they've got enough people probably in the side that they can trust right now for Lalo, Clemmer, um, etc. Starting, I'd probably the main one to me. I'd probably start Tolman and probably have Clemmer come on as an impact player. If anything, Fitalamarity you have to start. Elliot, I don't think you can start anywhere over Fitalamarity or the couple of guys they've got there. But the only one really, maybe Tolman for a stint and Clemmer to come off the bench um, to try and fix things up a little bit there. Uh, Cam Baxter, hey guys, I watched almost every game last week and I felt the refs were being a little more certain with their calls. Did you find the same? Is there something they are trying to do instead of going upstairs? Makes it more fluent, I think. Mate, I think they're just trying to make decisions, and I know Brock sitting next to me agrees on that and be a lot more clear. They've cleaned up a few areas, like the play of the ball, like the ruck, penalties inside 10 and 20, like we said, uh, not holding back, not happy 
um, you know, or not afraid to use the sin bin and simple play the ball with your foot. Three man pills, don't do it. Don't put your hand on the football. Um, I think. I think yeah, they're looking to make the game more conducive to watch and make it flow. Like the more flow that's in the game, the better it is to watch. Um, and I think the more fair it is for the teams competing. I, I like it. I also think you're going to see that there's going to be more fatigue in the game with it being sped up. Like, you know, there's been a big push to reduce the interchanges, but I think if the referee, uh, if the game's refereed a little bit more stringently, you're going to see that fatigue factor coming because there's not going to be that laying in the ruck and that slowing down, I guess, of the game. So I, I like it. I like the way the, the game was interpreted on the weekend, and I hope it continues. Yeah, Matty Timbrell loves and agrees with us about players getting bin intentionally inside 10 20. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy with that as well. Uh, Matty Ballantyne, he's filthy that Ben Hunt would be most people's player of the round, according to him. I don't know if he'd be my player of the round, but he definitely was one of the best players in the round. He wouldn't be my player but of the He round. received oh. no Dally M points from Braith and Astor. I yeah, wonder... Well, I, 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 I think Frizzell, DeBellin... The Dally M's a bloody full yeah, process. Different so. person every week, different judgment, but I think yeah. Frizzell, DeBellin and him would have been my three. I don't know what order, but Hunt probably would have got my two. Maybe Frizzell my three, or Hunt got the three, Frizzell well, the two, Bellin. me would have got points. Well, there's again, there's four there, so I don't know how they judged it, but, mate, uh, I don't Vaughan know. would have got points for me. Well, there's, yeah. DeBellin and Frizzell were very good, so there's a lot of options there. Yeah. It's Like you said, it's to each judge's interpretation, unfortunately. James Douglas, another one who's happy with the officiating, but he says it's hard for the bunker to... Is it really that hard for the bunker to rule on forward passes? A lot of people oh, have brought this up before. The, the absolute... Obvious one I don't have an issue with, but I don't want them ruling on 50-50 forward passes. That's what the referee on the field's for. That's what the touch judges are for. Let them let the call on the field stand. Yep, I and agree. The camera angles are flawed as well. They yeah. give you a misinterpretation of whether it's they're moving forward or not. Yeah. Different bits and pieces. Uh, I think that's one that I said that sounds Every one. pass is forward when you take into account momentum, yeah. really. It's got to be backwards out of the hands yeah, or backwards right. first so, before. So It's a difficult one. If You can't ever get black and white on passes, I don't think. Yeah. James also says, does the clock counting down instead of up also bug anyone else? I found it a little bit weird on Fox, but it's not something. The I'm... clock what? Counting down? Yeah, instead of up. I, don't, I didn't even know. Instead notice. of going zero to forty, it goes forty down. Well, that, what does it do in the NFL? It goes down, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I never. I, know. Well, I noticed it on the weekend, too, but I can't. <laughs> say. Maybe I'm too used to the can't NFL. Can't say it really bothered me, it. but yeah. Cheers for that, mate. Jesus, is that the biggest issue we've got? We're going all right. Jay Smith says Conrad killed a guy. He's making a reference to Anchorman there that he should probably lay low for a while because he's probably going to be wanted for murder. So I like right. that one, mate. Big fan of uh, Will Ferrell. Good stuff. Lucas Taylor, uh, I think he's touched on. The Warriors' performance and it is a false dawn, mate. We've already touched on that one. Basically, over 24 rounds, can the forwards maintain things? Are they fit enough? Can they lay enough of a platform? It's yet to be seen. On the weekend, they were very, very good. We hope it continues. Look good. Uh, look good. Green brought some balance. Shet looked better, and they get a lot of yardage help from their big outside backs. So, um, yet to be seen. But a lot of changes in a massive season for Kearney and that club over there. But Green, a huge recruit, and a lot of the guys look like they're pretty keen and revved up and ready to go. Thomas Vaughan, when will we get an independent commissioner that actually knows the NRL teams? I don't buy it, it was a brain fade uh, as he was given the answer. How can we expect him to act as the game's best interest when he clearly doesn't know the game? And in reference to Peter Beattie, I think last night on 100% football, did you say that on Channel 9? No, I didn't see it. I've got it recorded. I'm they watch asked it. him if he knew who the Cronulla Sharks were after John Grant didn't name the team. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think someone said he was in the sheds on the weekend. They gave him three options, Cronulla Hawks, Cronulla Sharks, or Cronulla something else, and he said, I've got no bloody idea, but I'll get back to you next week as to what they're called. Who said that? 
uh, Peter Beattie, the new oh, commissioner of the game, and it's pissed a lot of people off that he knows nothing about rugby league. Yeah, but I think that was the reason for the independent commission. I, I know the clubs were voting, I think, today or yesterday to try and get a member on the on the board to represent them in terms of their interests when decisions are made in relation to the game. I think we're going to get the balance right. You know, we've got to have enough independence to make sure that we're not shooting ourselves in the foot and we're eating um, ourselves from the inside out. But for me, you also need to make sure you've got some rugby league smart people obviously involved with the independent commission, but they, they can't be linked with the club. You know, no. you hear all these opinions and everyone's got an agenda. There's always someone peddling some sort of agenda. And for me, it's that's not in the best interest of the game either. So if you're arguing that, you know, like Peter Beattie should know the teams, et cetera, et cetera, I don't know whether that is really important. I mean, it's important it's if he's a job. fan. His, his job is to know, look at the books, look at the business and make decisions Jesus. around, you know, the holistic perspective of the business. I don't think his job isn't the on-field product. Yeah. There's got to be other people there that are rugby league smart enough to make that decision. That's probably more for the competition committee, yep. Todd Greenberg and the people working under him. Yeah, 100% agree with all those points. Adam Chandler, we've already answered the Valentine Holmes one. Andrew Wales, we've answered your question as well. And the Titans comeback and the Raiders. Uh, Daniel Friend, I knew he was talented, but did anyone else realise how tough Callum Ponger is? He got bashed the other night and it didn't bother him one bit. Well, mate, he's only still a baby. That's the scary part. 19 years old, turning 20, I think, or... I may be wrong. He's possibly eligible if he wanted to play in the under-20s again this year, if not 21 years old. But super talented, freakish left foot step and a very underrated goal kicker, which a lot of people wouldn't have known. But he's put on a bit of size over the last couple of years, which definitely helps. But he is not afraid to throw his body weight around. There is no doubt about that. Tim Wrigley is next up, and he asks why a penalty is given to a player for being tackled in the air only after he drops the ball attempting to play it. Grub refs. Not 100% what you're referring to, Chant. You might have to give us a bit more background as to what blokes dropping it in the air and then when they've landed and got touched or dropping it in the playable after, you're saying that refs are giving a penalty to try and make up for the fact they're under pressure and oh, being contacted. I'm not sure what he's referring to. Uh, if you let us know what game what you're talking about, mate, it'll give you a bit more detail. Josh Deans, what are your thoughts on Campbell Gillard and Kikau starting off the bench? Sure, you have to start with your strongest team. We obviously had his reasons and it worked. He wanted impact for the kick out by the looks of it. My issue is I think he didn't get enough minutes again. Uh, like my problem wasn't not the fact that he didn't start. My problem was he only got like 20 or 30 minutes. I yeah. think he could still play a lot more if he's on the edge and you needed to get him in the game earlier. Uh, Campbell Gillard still got 60, so not a big issue. But if coaches really think that rattles people making those changes, it does make a big difference. Teams generally focus on themselves and they know what you're going to do anyway when you put those players on whether they start or not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kyle Sapford, what do you make of the Cowboys whinging about the treatment of Matt Scott by Cronulla? Didn't seem to be much in it to me. Um, well, I didn't even notice it. So, Seen the video last night, uh, one or two things they're referring to, um, tackle-wise and et cetera, and the only real one I saw was when he was in a tackle and Pryor had his leg from behind. I didn't see anything menacing in it. He was trying to get him to the ground. He had one of his legs. The Cowboys players talked about it. I think Paul Gallen nailed it on the head, and I don't agree with him very often that if they had a problem, name the players, call the people out, show the vision. Don't go half-assed to make like comments around the issue. If, if you know players that did it or you think players did it, drop names, go all in on it. And yeah. he said they didn't, so I agree with him on that, and I don't do that very often, that's for sure. Chris Hill. No, oh, yeah, 100%. Paul, yeah. big fan. Chris Hill, what do you think of the middle defense over the weekend? Broncos were appalling. First half of the Titans were worse and were saved in the second half by the Raiders, having no ball for the first 20 minutes. Well, the Titans we spoke about that first time was just awful, wasn't it? It was abysmal. Yeah. There was no contact. The marker work was awful. The spacing was terrible. They got pulled apart. The Broncos' middle defence, I think, they 
spacing-wise and all that wasn't so bad. I think they struggled to slow down quick play the balls, that's for sure. And mm. Canberra there was more their edges than their middle, but uh, defensively, yeah, there's a couple of teams that definitely got some work to do. Uh, Sean Radoff, everyone pretty much knew. Cody Nickarim wasn't a halfback, more of 5'8", so the Broncos have any defense options. Well, I've talked about Dargan, mate, but I don't know if that's going to fix the problem. So, yeah. Mark Hindle, when will anyone at the Raiders realize Ricky has the rugby league strategic nous of a swinging back door? And two, slightly more serious, given the Raiders have a habit of losing close games, do you think it's become ingrained in the group's culture? Every Raiders fan could see that loss coming at half-time. Well, that's pretty uh, big. We talked about reasons why we think they lose, poor discipline, errors in their slide defense, but I don't know if it's ingrained. A couple of years ago, they were one game away from playing in the grand final. I think we're overlooking the fact that they're missing Josh Hodgson. There's a... That doesn't stop them tackling, I don't think. It doesn't, but... You know, if you've got Josh Hodgson on the field on the weekend, I think they win. My big issue, and I think I said this last year, is I think he pumped their tyres up during this rebuild because they were always a team that was on the bottom and underappreciated and disrespected. And then all of a sudden they had that big year. They got on top. They became dominant. A lot of these guys have become big-name players, and I think they've bought into their own hype a little bit. And that has led to the errors and especially the ill-discipline. They weren't this ill-discipline the year they made the preliminary final. Last year they were penalised heavily. Game one, drop football and penalties again, they were pretty ordinary. So Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say they've got a losing culture ingrained in this team. I think they need to flatten out their discipline and have a hard look in the mirror. Uh, Robbie Ryan says, The flavour of the month. Crackdown has been using your foot to play the ball properly. What were your thoughts on how effective it was? Freddie was having a whinge that it gives defensive side an advantage. Your thoughts? Well, it does if you win the ruck and a bloke plays the ball properly, but it's been in the rules for over 100 years or as long as the game exists, so I don't know what Freddie's whinging about. You're always supposed to play the ball with your foot. That's the way rugby league's been for 100-plus years, so... It's Just not touch football. It. Like, it's been made very, very clear that, that was going to be the edict moving forward. But So why, after a couple of years of everyone not doing it, is all everyone suddenly well, they complain? They complain when people aren't playing, their, playing the ball with their foot, and then now they're complaining that they're cracking down on and it. Now so. they're saying that teams can't attack. I saw plenty of attack on the weekend. It's pretty dumb. So uh, I don't know. I think it's, as long as they stay consistent, I have no problem. You have to play the ball with your foot. It shouldn't have been allowed to be the way it has for the last five or so years when people were just doing roll ball. Yeah. Steve Moorcraft, after round one, is any team that has surprised you, good or bad, or would either of you like to change for your top eight or bottom eight? I'd put the Warriors in. I would swap the Warriors and the Broncos. Other than that, uh, all the other teams I put in, Penrith, Dragons, etc., uh, the Eels, Cronulla, all those top three sides, Cowboys, Roosters, I have no problem with. The Broncos are the only one I'd change, and the team yeah. like you. Oh, I'm pretty comfortable with my top four, my bottom four in the eight. I have no problem with my top five, and I have no problem with the Dragons after what I've seen. Penrith, I'll still press the wait and see, but I put them in. Yeah, okay, so five. But yeah, if it's one team, it's after what I've seen from the Warriors and their spine, um, moving forward, it'd be them and the Broncos swapping. Yeah, I would have put uh, Warriors in and take the Raiders out. Yeah, Duncan Bridgeford, keen to hear your thoughts on the ninth mortal. Well, we touched on that, mate, and how we think that whole system should be. I reckon they should go back to the start, much like Brock, every 10 years or 20 years and pick out four to five players from each of those errors. Mm. And when you get to this one now, I'm with you. I don't think there should be a number. I think it should just be judged on its merits. So if Lockyer and Slater and Smith and all these freak guys come through, if there is five or six 300-plus gamers, uh, multiple-time premiership, origin, Australian winning players, I think they deserve to be there if... They have that, you know, the credit. Oh, the how do I say the credentials? Yeah, and we have a lot at the moment, obviously, that have broken records and set high standards. They've yeah, never been spoke, seen spoke about it earlier. Yeah, uh, I've always had an issue, and this is Steve Dine Cruz with Golden Point as a game decider. I think a good old-fashioned game of soggy say would be a better idea. What do you guys think? Mm. Very silly. A draw. Uh, uh, yeah. It is what it is, but it is what it is. <laughs> Take a draw or leave it out. Is I'd be happy with a draw. I just don't see the point in complaining about things that. Aren't going to change. No, so. 
let's just accept it for what it is. The the last ten minutes is pretty much golden point anyway. So I, I didn't have a problem with the draw, but one, we've got golden point, and so I live with it. One for you here. Obviously, you posted up. Maybe Jay didn't see it. He said, "Your thoughts on Blocker and Co's commentary? Absolute garbage. How did Matt Nable get that gig?" Well, yeah, let's not even go into that. Yeah. Uh, let's. You can make your own assumptions as to how Matt Nable gets that gig. Yeah, so, true that. And he was terrible. Mike Painter, what's doing with Manly bench rotation? So he's obviously spotted what I have that they didn't use to all their benches. Well, mate, that just either shows that they don't trust who they've got on their bench uh, and a lack of trust in the squad depth. Maybe this week with Hastings and Lloyd Perrett, he uses those two, I don't know. But I must say that Tanganoa and Lane were very good and he was clearly focusing on getting Fanua, Blake and Tapia back out there because they were doing a big job. But, yeah, he didn't want to touch his back rails in Thompson and Sieran and uh, he obviously didn't want to take Jake off the field without one of those two guys coming on. So um, much like the Dragons are obviously using more interchanges on those plays just to keep them fresh. Strange. So uh, awkward way to look at things, but, yeah. Jay Strasberg is asking, what do you guys think of the new NRL footy show? He thought it was terrible, looked like a mix of 360 in the Matty John show, but failed miserably. However, he liked 100% footy last night. And uh, he thought it was pretty right, a good idea and asked, when are we going to pitch a show to Channel 9? Well, we don't get an opportunity to pitch something to Channel 9, unfortunately. <laughs> so I don't know. As far as things go in that sense, Brock hasn't seen 100% footy. I watched it last night. I actually quite enjoyed it. No yeah, surprise. I, Gus, I've, usually anything he's a part of is pretty good to watch or I've listen to. Record, I've got it recorded, so I'm going to watch it. Did you watch on. the new footy show, though? I saw a little bit of it. Um, but for me, I think the Matty Johns show sort of hit the skids as well. So... I think it's, just, it's becoming more uh, comedy, more, more skits, like, yeah, skits and etc. And I'm just, I, it's not why I watch it. I so, don't watch a lot of it I now. Want a football show. Yeah. If I'm going to watch something, I want to, I want to know more. You know, from the time I start watching it to the time I finish watching it, I want to learn something about the game, something Ooh. that I didn't know. I don't. I'm not interested in comedy. If I want to watch comedy, I'll watch a movie or I'll watch a, uh, you know, a skit show. Well, like I said, I, I, I think know. back I, at the start they had a better balance when it was like eighty twenty. You need, you need more football than comedy. It seems like it's become more of a gag and running jokes and all that. And I do get a laugh every now and then, but a lot of it's recycled material now. Yeah, but so. like even 80, you know, 80, 20, it's still like 10 minutes of shit that I have to put up with in every every episode of it. I, I don't know. seems like they skim over the football to make time for the crap. Yeah, like, basically. And it's a, it's a rugby league channel. It's not a skit channel. So if you want to uh, have a, you know, a general show, I guess, or, a, you know, whatever sort of show you call it that's not specifically rugby league, put it on Fox 8. Put it on one of the other channels and see whether, you know, the general public wants to watch it. Because for me, as a, as a football fan, I, I love yeah. 360 because I know 360 footy. is footy. Coaches, players, everything they get on, they talk about The footy. rest of it, you know, I'm hoping that 100% league and I think 100% league will be footy as well. For me, they're probably the only two shows that I'll watch. I like the Sunday footy show. Yeah. Um, but other than that, the, the Matty yeah. Johns ones, they're, they're losing me. Yeah. Uh, Matt Tomlinson, are the Tigers, Warriors, and Penrith the real deer this year after upset wins over the weekend? Well, well, it's one game. It's one game. It's hard to read. We didn't have the Warriors in. They obviously looked very good. I had Penrith in, Brock didn't. But again, it's round one. And the Tigers, I had for the spoon. I think tough draw, length of the year, and squad depth is going to hurt. Dave Hooper with Reynolds out. Who will start, Farrah or Dwayne? And I said before, they've got him at 18th man. I don't think they'll go with Farrah. I think they saw enough I in the trials. I mad to go with Farrah. We saw enough in the trials that you have to go with Dwayne, surely. Yeah. Stephen Gould, loves the podcast, happy Tiger supporter, but I do realise we are round one specials. Do you think that Ivan's focus in the preseason was the outstanding defence because last year we leaked like a sieve and cannot last? Well, attitude lasts, that's for sure, but like I said, depth in the squad, injury in the 24 rounds, mate, I think it's going to be a big ask for what the they've Roosters got. The Roosters' attack flooded them. <clears throat> yeah, but I think... The uh, attack was terrible. 
as long as Ivan's there and the culture he's building, clearly with the players he dropped the New South Wales Cup, there's going to be accountability yeah. and there's going to be toughness, and that's what he was brought there for. Uh, Wayne Morris, he asked, can the Roosters make the top four with their current front row? So he obviously agrees that their middles are struggling. Uh, Rhea Hargraves, Napa. On best form, those guys with Liu, Tedavano, and Tokiaho in my eyes, definitely. Yeah. But it's a question of can they find that spark? They're up and down like a yo-yo. Yeah. And they finished last year. Poor. Chris Cicluna, will Peachy make his way to the Titans at some stage this year? So No, who knows? I, I don't think that would be the case. Not if Penrith well, are doing well. things go pear-shaped at Penrith, maybe. Yep, I agree with that. Mitch Madley, we talked about the Bulldogs making changes. Logan Guy, why isn't Scott Minto an immortal? Poor form, Logie. Come on. Got to have something better than that for us. Stephen Delaney again. Moses and Cleary, New South Wales halves. I think Cleary, if you're old enough, you're good enough. I don't know about Moses. I wouldn't be throwing Moses in the origin yeah, arena. We'll see. We have it's to wait and see. Too early for that. Uh, Patrick Rowd about the Warriors. We've touched on that a million times. And Declan James, do you think Ricky Stewart should revert back to their attacking game plan that made Austin the player he was in 2015? I think with Williams, they've got the best player to take pressure off him and let him do what he loves, which is take the line on. Mate, I don't think he's stopped taking the line on. That's his problem. He doesn't do anything else but take the line on. And he can't defend. And nothing's changed with their attack. That's the other problem. They haven't grown or changed over the last couple of seasons. So I don't think there's anything that's changed tactically. And I don't know if Brock disagrees with me or not, but Blake Austin hasn't expanded his game. You need more to your game than just throwing a show and go all the time. Yeah. Well, he hasn't really developed in the last couple of years, has he? So nah. He's gone backwards, if anything. Most definitely not. Now we move on to our gossip segment. And uh, Mr. Gossip, like we said, bit appearances this year. He's got a very, very busy year, so he'll be joining us every couple of weeks or once a month, etc., or stuff like that. But in his mailbag, talking of Dylan Napa, as we did earlier, unhappy at the Roosters, there was speak in the off-season about the Broncos, the Eels, etc. He spoke with the Broncos more recently and he's exploring all options. So yeah. it looks like that's not going to end well. And it's sad because you'd think he'd want to rip in why he's still there, even if he does want out and resolve things on the move or at the end of the year. Yeah, things... That makes a lot of sense around his form. Put it that way. Oh, 100%. He's not the aggro bloke we saw that looked like he wanted to kill someone every week. He's quite placid no. and looks pretty sad. Tolman, uh, as we spoke about the other week, big contract, one they looked off low, but no one in Australia is keen for him, so he's going to have to stay at Belmore. Yeah, and that's probably fair enough because I, I, I'm not sure that I'd be rushing out to sign Aiden Tom. Well, if he's on close to six hundred thousand dollars, you're not signing him. No. He doesn't. He's a workhorse. He does a solid job for you, but he's not bending the line. He's not offloading. He doesn't offer a whole lot besides consistency and work. He's not an impacting front row. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to imagine considering the round one performance, but the Dragons had more than one chat in the off season with Michael Maguire, according to Mister Gossip. Who did? Sorry, the Dragons. Oh, there you go. Wow. Yeah. So they may have already. Put the feelers out there just in case things fall flat this year. And we said that McGregor, or I said more, so he's probably under pressure because he said this is finally his squad. Yeah. Anything but the finals is a bust. I think you'll agree with him there. But Maguire yeah, I'm before... I'm not sure they'll fire him, but... Maguire before the go. season ends, though, surely you can't be already dipping you know, your fingers in the water there and trying to talk to coaches. That's a bit sad from the club perspective, really, if you're doing that now. Mm. Should at least wait and see what happens on the field, surely. Yeah. And the last one he's got here, uh, the Roosters re-signing Latrell Mitchell, Joseph Manu, and Nat Butcher. So they've upgraded, Smart. obviously, all those young blokes, guys that are going to be there for a long time. Nat Butcher, good luck. Back row, a tight player. Manu, we've seen a bit of him, and obviously Latrell Mitchell. No rocket science there. Yeah. So that's the bit of gossip we have for this week. Now on to our tips and betting segment, brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Uh, we said last week, the Pro Sports Syndicate, if you're a punter out there like us and you like betting on sports and you're very heavy into it, they have some of the best in the game, professional full-time analysts who do this for a living. Their recent NFL season package yielded a profit of 27% over the season box head. And uh, 
Obviously, that is special offer for fifth and last listeners. Their whole package, usually $1,200 for the year for $719 for the season. And there's no locking contracts. It's month to month. So you break that down, what that costs for a month. You can cancel any time. And if you do not profit from the 29 season, you get the whole subscription for 29 and free. Yeah, yeah. If you don't profit in 2018, you get 2019 free. Uh, I had a. I was fortunate enough to get their emails. What what basically happens is every morning of a of a game day, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they send out a uh, an email with the tips um, for that particular day, um, and they can range from things to any time try scorer to a uh, to just a bet on the game. So yeah, I I uh, I had a crack at a few of them on the weekend. Um, I think Josh Adokar to score a try was one that I had a crack at at any time and threw yeah. that in a multi. So um, I think they ran at a loss in round one, but uh, most people who did their tips and had a bet on the weekend were yeah. lost. So Well, there was two bad beats in there, and they had a couple of tips involving the Eels and the Raiders. So yeah. they were pretty harsh beats. Our charity bet, which is also now covered by the Pro Sports Syndicate, thank you very much to them for doing that. They didn't have to was obviously the Dragons and the Eels. And at 14-0, we're looking pretty comfortable. Mm. And then they blew that. So, so we didn't get the payout. We, we didn't check that, did we? Nah. Sports I, I don't, don't know do if, multi, get to 12 and you get paid out. I no. think it's a head-to-head game only. Yeah, so be. we'd have to double-check with that. But um, yeah, the prosportsyndicate.com, they've got the discount obviously there. And they've got a new offer that they've made today that they've sent through to us. So you can get the monthly package, your first month for half price, so 99 And if you do not make a profit from that month, you get the next one Free. So, for example, this first week has been a losing week, unfortunately. If it continued along that trend, well, then next month you get that for free. Yeah. And obviously that whole season offer that I talked about before, if you did invest the money for the year, which is 719 for the season, and you didn't come up with a winning percentage across all the tips, well, then you're going to get the whole next year for free. And it's also like the email is not set out on a Thursday for Sunday games. Like they take into account late changes, whether – uh, you know, all that sort of stuff that can have an impact on having a bet. So yeah. uh, it's it's very, very relevant. It's very up-to-date, and they're across it, scientific. Uh, I like it. I, I enjoy getting the emails, and, you know, I didn't have a crack on, on all of them, but uh, I had a crack on the ones I liked, and, you yeah. know, I, I like the concept. It's similar similar to those of you that have signed up to a racing syndicate. syndicate well, yeah, we, use one, tips and, we use one on horses, yeah. racing syndicate, but basically 15 to 20 bets for each round. Usually five to ten are between lines and totals, and then sometimes there's prop bets like second half most points, yeah. Bevan French over a certain amount of meters, things like that. So different range of things, but if you're in if your you're punting, a rugby league nut, like in most of us who watch the game, have a pun on the game, so um, invest some cash. Yep, and uh, we'll have a look at the tips for this week. It's brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Jump onto those packages. We'll post those links up if you do like a punt, like I said, and you invest heavily weekly, or even if you don't invest a little bit. It's probably worth your while getting on board. But the first one of this round is the Dragons versus the Sharkies. It's a local derby, Brock. This should be a decent game of football. The Sharks, they named Holmes at fullback. Obviously, Katoa is out. Aaron Gray's been named on the wing spot. Do you reckon there'll be a late reshuffle, or do you reckon they'll stick to their guns? Maybe, but it's... Well, it's not a short turnaround. It's, a, it's more of a short turnaround for Cronulla, I guess, because they had to travel, played on Saturday night, so they would have had Sunday off... Uh, so you're probably only going to train last night and then captain's run tomorrow, probably. So it, it does make things difficult for Cronulla. So I, I, I get them, you know, what not wanting to make too many changes, particularly as it's only round two. But it does sort of, uh, you know, it's it's a, an important game for Cronulla, isn't it? Like you wouldn't want to go 0-2 and, and lose a derby at home. Yeah, well... So, yeah, and, and particularly the way that the Dragons started last week. But I question the form... 
coming out of you know Dragons have played Brisbane. I like the cow. Uh, the, sorry, the the Sharks form having played the Cowboys. So, um, but I'll, I'll tip the Dragons based on what I saw last week. But um, I think I can understand why the the betting agencies have got Cronulla as a favourites and they've got the home field advantage, etc. So yeah. Well, there's one change for the Dragons. Jaime Sello has moved onto the bench. Jeremy Lattimore has moved out. I think he had a very good game on the weekend from all reports. And on the Sharks side of things, it's just Aaron Gray coming in. I'm going with the Dragons as well, purely for what I saw round one. And I'm not too sure, again, that they've got the right balance with those players in those positions. So uh, I'll take the Dragons. And Gossip is also on the Dragons, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. And the odds on this one, Cronulla, $1.75 favorite at home. 2.10 for the Dragons, minus 2 is the line. Overs, unders, 38 and a half. 1 to 12, Sharks is 320, 350 the Dragons. 13 plus, Sharks, 350, 475 for the Dragons. This one, with a line box head, would you be take that start if you like the Dragons? Two and a half start? No. Well, no. I don't mind. This This no. is a 1 to 12 game to me. I think this is a close one. So Yeah, I agree. That's another one. Particularly market. with the weather around. Um, there's a bit of rain around, so. Yep. Sloppy track, who knows? Friday night game, the Sydney Roosters up against the Bulldogs. Luke Keary is back for this one, so that's a pretty decent in. That'll hopefully give them a bit more of a better balance. Boyd Corner also moves back in to the starting side, so the bench is basically the same, except Madison is uh, back onto the bench. Uh, on the flip side of things, the Bulldogs completely unchanged with the extras that have been named. Not sure any of those guys will come in, but... This is a hard one because, honestly, off what I saw in round one, I'd tip the Bulldogs. Mm. But with Kiri back in, and I don't think the Roosters are going to be that bad again and free up a little bit, I think I'd have to go the Roosters because it'd be hard to start. Yeah, also, you've got to take into account that the Bulldogs have had to travel as well from Perth back. Yep. So that obviously plays a part as well. I'll tip the Roosters. I'll keep the faith, but I like what I saw out of the Bulldogs. And, yeah, I'd, what price are they, the doggies? Three fifty-five. I think, yeah, $1.33.55. I'll be having a little crack on Canterbury. Yep, and Mr. Gossip, he is also with us. He has tipped the Roosters, and the odds on that one, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, is $1.30 for the Sydney Roosters. I think that's a bit heavy uh, if things go right, obviously, but very early in the year. The Dogs, three fifty-five, nine and a half start. I don't mind that. Yeah, I'd, I'd take that. If it got to 10.5, I'd be even happier, but 9.5, not bad. Overs under is 41.5. 1 to 12, the Roosters, 290, $4.50 for the Dogs, 13 plus. Roosters, 225, and $10 for the Dogs. Uh, the second game on the Friday night is the Cowboys-Broncos, another derby there. The Broncos very, very poor in round one. Jaden Sewer obviously suspended for that shot that he put on late, the shoulder charge. Uh, so he's out of the side. Tom Opachak replaces him on the bench. McCulloch back to the starting side in nine and Thido to the bench for the Cowboys. Michael Morgan is named outside in the reserves. So there's some chance he may play, but otherwise they are completely unchanged. From what I saw week one, even though they were scrappy, I have to go with the Cowboys because the Broncos were awful. I expect a bounce back from Brisbane, but yeah, I've got to go Cowboys. Yeah, Mr. Gossip also on the Cowboys, but you're right. Derbies usually bring out the best in teams, and this is usually a cracker match. So yep. let's hope Brisbane can address some of the issues and the odds from the Pro Sports Syndicate on this one. $2.36 for the Brisbane Broncos. $1.60 favorite are the Cowboys. Three and a half start. There on the Cowboys, I'd be happy to swallow three and a half for the Some, Cowboys to win yeah. by a try, to be honest. Overs, unders is 38 and a half. One to 12, Cowboys, $3, 375 for the Broncos. 13 plus, 320 for the Cowboys, and uh, 550 for the Broncos. Super Saturday kicks off with the New Zealand Warriors. Very impressive last week playing your mob, the Gold Coast Titans, Brock. And unchanged are the Warriors, and rightfully so with the performance on the weekend. And your side, also unchanged. Keegan Hipgrave in the extended squad now. His suspension is over. Jared Wallace 
still one more week away. Yeah, more is coming. Yeah, I was going to say, the way they played through the middle, the way those halves went, the way they spaced things out, if they play anything like they did against South and get that roll on with the way you guys defended, they will absolutely hammer you blokes, Correct. I think. So Warriors, I'm very happy to take that. And Mr. Gossip agrees, even though he usually says whenever he tips the Warriors, jump off them because it's never a good sign. But pretty good signs from what we saw week one and the odds with the Pro Sports Syndicate. thirty-six favourites are the Warriors. 3.15 for the Titans. Minus 8.5 is the line. Over is the one I like in this one. 44.5 points. I think there'll be plenty of points in this game. 1 to 12 for the Warriors, 315, 440 for the Titans, 13 plus Warriors, 230, $8 for the Titans. Do you like a bet in that one? Yeah, I'd probably I'd probably take the Warriors minus. You'd be happy maybe, to swallow the maybe points. Warriors 13 plus, 230. Yep. All right. Penner of South Sydney, another one at home for us. We might be going to that one. Yeah, well, we've got See some how tickets, so. things pan out with that. But look at the lineups there. The obvious thing is that uh, Adam Reynolds has been injured again. Like we said, durability is becoming a bit of a question over the last few years. He's going to have a knee clean out. So Adam Dwayhe has been named in the seven. Other than that, Sam Burgess has replaced Mark Nichols, who's moved back to the bench to start in the front row. And Cameron Murray gets the 13 start instead of Sam Burgess playing there. Fumaano obviously on the bench there with George Nichols and Totola. Robbie Farah in the 18th man spot, but I'd stick with Dwayne and we both agree with that. So yeah. uh, on the Penrith side of things, there's no changes there. They'll probably do that late switch again because they put those same two guys in the starting lineup that they swapped. But at home, with the way they played last week, uh, I I really did like what I saw from South, but I don't I don't know. I'm, I'd be tipping Penrith just because they're at home. Um, and I think Dwayne, he may take a week to settle in, but he oh, did yeah, look pretty sharp in the off-season. I'm going to tip South. Yep. I like South, so I'm going to stick. Um, Go know, off what you saw in the pre-season. Yeah, pre-season prediction. I, hopefully last week they uh, they steadied. I also like the fact that they're coming off the form of the Warriors. I think the Warriors are pretty good. So um, Penrith showed some good signs, but they also leaked for a little while there. So $1.36 for Penrith is way too short. Yep. And the odds, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, like Brock said, $1.36 for the Panthers. And Mr. Gossip, he's on his side as well after being disappointed last year. three fifteen for South, so I agree with you. I don't mind those odds. Eight and a half start. So if you like that, there you get eight and a half points. Overs, unders, 42 and a half. One to 12 for the Panthers, $3. 425 for South, two forty thirteen plus for the Panthers and eight fifty for South. So yeah, a bit of value there. I don't mind. And then you've got the Tigers versus the Storm down there in Melbourne. Billy Slater, has been named to make his return at home, 300th milestone game. I know they were tough last week, but you put those circumstances, game 300, the Premier's returning home. That's You're going you're gonna to be playing a better defensive team, firstly, in Melbourne. You're playing them at home, secondly. Milestone game. Um, milestone game. Premier's returning. The only try you scored last week was when it came off someone's head. I um, thought the, the Roosters were pretty conservative. It'll be different conditions down there. Big test for the Tigers. Look, I, I wouldn't write them off. Uh, but, yeah, I'll certainly be tipping the storm. Yep, and uh, the only change, like I said, Slater at fullback. Riley Jacks drops out of the side if anything happens late there. Uh, he's not even a part of the extended bench, so that probably tells me they're very confident that he's going to be healthy because otherwise Billy Walters would be the one is in the extended squad or Brandon Smith to play in the halves, which I highly doubt is going to happen. Mm. So uh, you'd assume it's going to be Billy's 300th game at home in front of the home crowd. All of us have tipped the storm, rightfully so, and the Tigers... Same side, unnamed, just that Ben Madalino starts instead of Matt Eisenhuth as far as the way the squads have been named. McQueen still out, so is Josh Alloway, Tim Grant, and David Nofaluma. So sticking to his guns from a team that won him a game, very loyal man, Ivan Cleary, and the odds thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. 
$1.17 after Storm, $5 for the Tigers, minus 14 and a half is the line over 42 and a half, 1 to 12 Storm 340, $6 for the Tigers, 13 plus Storm, $1.72, $15 the Tigers. Is that too many points, 14 and a half, or do you think that's about right with the way that Melbourne played last week? Yeah, well, they beat they beat Canterbury by 18, 18 away, and I think Canterbury would beat West. So, yeah, I think that's probably a fair line. Three tries, yep, I'm there with you. Manly versus Parramatta. Two teams looking to rebound the Eels after they blew that lead. They are an unchanged lineup. Extended bench, Smith, Edwards, Gower, and Pritchard in the options there. For the Manly Seagulls, they have dropped Lewis Brown uh, out of the side, along with Frank Winnerstein to the extended bench. They've been replaced on the bench by Jackson Hastings and Lloyd Perrett. So he didn't use those two last week at all. And Matt Wright has been dropped out of the centres, replaced by Brad Parker. Lotto lands Sunday Arvo. They're usually a pretty dangerous team. Who do you like here? Eels. Going to stick with the Eels yeah, to return be, the faith. They'll be hurting after uh, hurting after that result last week um, in a game that they well they didn't throw away, but uh, it's it's one that leading fourteen knew he shouldn't lose from there. So they won't want to uh, they won't, won't want to bounce into the season zero two. Manly, uh, they were good last week. I just have concerns over where their points are coming from, and I think the Eels will be better defensively than what the Newcastle Knights were. Well, I was honestly very close to tipping Manly, but the only thing is Brad Arthur's the Eels coach, and he'll leave no stone unturned, and they blew that lead, but they're not going to get this easily at Brookvale. And first game there for the year at Lotto Land, Brookvale, whatever you want to call it, it wouldn't surprise me if Manly got the upset because those middles, Alvaro, Manor, et cetera, if they don't contain Tapao and those guys, they're going to have a long day. Tip them. So, Manly with the Pro Sports Syndicate. They are the favourites at $1.82. $2 for the Paramount Eels. Minus one and a half is the line. Uh, overs, unders, 41 and a half. One to 12, 320 Manly, 340 Eels. 13 plus, 375 Manly. 450 for the Eels. Canberra versus Newcastle. Down there in Canberra, Joseph Tapine, he's broken his arm or a finger, sorry. So he's out, whitehead to the back row. Bateman goes into 13. Caesar's named on the bench this week. Austin named in the halves to start with Williams. I don't know why they mess around with that. Craig Garvey part of the extended bench again, so I don't know whether they'll go with the two nines or play Caesar. I didn't like Caesar playing at nine. It's terrible. I think it was steady, but if you're going to have two nines, pick two real nines if you can't trust. Don't put a half in there to do a half-ass job. I'd rather have Caesar and Williams as my halves, to be honest, Yeah. instead of Austin, but that's what they've gone with on the Newcastle side of things. No changes there. Yes, they are traveling down to Canberra, um, but I'm going to stick my faith with Newcastle after last week. And I'm the way that on. the Raiders defended, I think this will be a close game, but I'm going to stick with the Newcastle. Uh, Raiders back at home. I'll take the Raiders. On to the Raiders. And Mr. Gossip, he agrees with you on that one. He is also going with the Raiders, and they are the favourites at home. They are $1.65 thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. Two twenty-five are the Newcastle Knights. Minus 3.5 is a line. Overs. 45 and a half points, 1 to 12, 310 for Canberra, 350 for the Knights, 13 plus, 340 for the Raiders, $5 for the Knights. I like the Knights in a close one, so I'd either take the head to head or the 1 to 12. But the only disappointing thing for me is if Lamb is in there and starting, I'm much happier with that. Um, that's my only main issue there. But the way Canberra defended last week, I, I honestly think that Newcastle. Defend better than what the Titans do. I think they'll do a better job in that sense. But on the ball, I'm with you. They did follow those players around. But at the same time, if they slide and hold like they did, I think Ponga will chop them to pieces. So let's see if their discipline can be yeah. fixed this week. Let's see if they can keep their composure. And they're messing around with the halves in the nine positions. A big question I have for Canberra as well. So all those odds, the tips, and the gossip brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Get onto that special offer. We have $99 if you join them through our link, and we'll post it up later. 
for the first month. If you don't win a profit off those tips or off their tips, don't equate to a profit, you get the next month for free. The total year package, the discount there, usually $1,200 worth of value, down to $720 if you're a punter and you like to bet on your rugby league. So big discount there from them. No locking contracts. You don't pay the whole thing. You pay month to month. If you're not happy, you leave. If you don't make a profit off the year's tips or their tips don't equate to a profit for the year, you get the next season for free. So good value for them. And the charity bet, Brock, what are you thinking? That's a difficult one. Out of these games, there is a few that are a bit of a flip of the coin, and I think the bookies have got most of the value pretty right, to be honest. I'd like to say I'd go the Dragons again, but I think that's a tight one and it's hard because it's at Cronulla. Mm. Uh, the Storm, I'd like to say I'm happy to eat the points or the 13+, plus, but it's only $1.72. Yeah, we'll have to have a think about it so, and post it up. I think maybe the Warriors, 13+, plus, I don't mind. Yeah. Like you, that's maybe one. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be ashamed to back Parramatta head-to-head or eat the points there. And maybe Souths with the eight-and-a-half starters, another one. There's a few little bits and pieces there, so we'll have to see what we come up with as far as that's concerned. It's but very, very difficult on a Tuesday to come up with a charity bet, so we'll do it later in the week and we'll post it up on the page. Yeah, and having a quick look, we've been sent some of those tips from the weekend from the Pro Sports Syndicate. So they've had the most tries from two groups of players to be a tie. That one come up a winner. So A versus B, it doesn't say what players, but uh, say Newcastle versus Manly, they had a head-to-head bet on the money line. They ended up losing on that one. Uh, there was Addo Carla. Brock said they sent that one through anytime try scorer. There was a win there. English versus Sione, uh against Qatar. Qatar. You can bet on those two who will score the most tries or the same amount. They picked the tie. Qatar obviously grabbed that one off the kick. Time of the first try for the Melbourne Storm, 13 minutes or later. It was after, unfortunately. So this gives you an idea of some of the tips they got here. But basically, out of the numbers here, they had eight winners out of 15 bets, so positive amount of winners, but the actual return or the stakes they bet, a few of the bets they lost, they betted in units of $100, they doubled up and had 200 Yeah. So I think for the week, if they outlaid $1,000, they're about 300 down yeah. for the week. But like I said, if you do lose or you obviously may not bet as large amounts on these stakes or the bits and pieces you get through here. Yeah, but what, what a unit is to you and what a unit is to me are two different things. Oh, 100%. So, I don't bet in hundreds. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people bet in different amounts. but yeah, Well, if it's a dollar. You know, so you bet ten dollars, you would have got seven dollars back. Basically, that's that's the return margin that you're talking about. So, you know, if if a unit is a dollar, you lost three dollars out of your ten. So, if you're betting a thousand, then it's obviously you you lose three thousand. Does that make sense? Yep. I agree. You're not responding to me, son. I'm with you. I'm listening. A unit is a unit. So there was a couple of bad beats like we spoke of. Though they had tips on the Raiders and also the Eels, who both obviously went down after leading. So. Yeah. Things like that don't play into their favour, but yeah, if anyone out there is interested, and and I guess the, the thing is here is that you don't you don't just hop in and out of a syndicate like this. You jump on, you stick there, to if, it exactly. You stick to it. You follow the bets, um, and more than likely you're going to come out on top. Well, or you they've can... got they've got the uh, numbers there to to back it up. So it's yeah, it's just about sticking with it. It's same as me, you know, backing horses and doing well, that sort of. We stuff. We do it with the horses thing. Yeah, if you, you gotta, stick with the tips, you have a good week and a bad week here. But for the most part. Um, you know they're they good at what they on top. do. So big thank you to the Pro Sports Syndicate coming on board this year and our charity account. Unfortunately, a loser last week. The Eels burn us, so we weren't too happy with them. Oh, Dragons held up their end, bastards. But the Pro Sports Syndicate, give them a follow on Facebook and obviously on Twitter as well. Thank you to Poker Deluxe. If you're looking for a profit for your club's fundraiser, go to www.pokerdeluxe.com. Thousand dollar guaranteed profit. Penrith Solar Centre. Brock's a customer. I work in the energy industry. 
bills are not getting any better. Solar is just a reality of the future. Mm-hmm. Forget the sponsorship side of things. I'm telling you, if you want to save money on your bills, systems generally pay themselves off in three or four years. It's well, a worthwhile investment. They do. They do. So, they do. so it's a and, fact. Nepean Boltmaster for all your trade news, engineering, abrasives, and upholsteries. Thanks to our four sponsors. And most importantly, not important, just nuts and bolts at Penrith Boltmaster. That's right. They've got all the trade equipment as well. So a big thank you to our sponsors. Support them if you need any of those services. And most importantly, thank you to everyone out there, as always, for supporting me and Brock. We absolutely loved you on the show. We're happy to be back for another huge season. Listen to the show, share the show, rate, review us, share us with any other rugby league lovers out there. And enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.